Greetings and salutations, my fellow mortals. Hello and welcome to another episode of Hit the Books Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Holcomb. I'm Emery Saunders. And I'm Nick Marlatt. And we're here to bring you all the nerdy news you need to know about this week. For those of you unfamiliar with the show, each and every week we go through a bunch of news topics about the world of gaming, of comic books, of movies and television, and sometimes animated content as well. Sometimes. Sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes. Only lewd one, though. (laughs) Speaking of which, if you ever want to reach out to the show and send Emery a copy of your lewd Sonic the Hedgehog, specifically no, no, Edgy the Hedgehog no, no, fan no, art, I told please you, email. I told you last time, we, we're not doing that. Yet. <laughs> Hit the books vids at gmail.com. I swear to God. <laughs> so, uh, for those of us, or for those of you following us every week, uh, you'll have noticed that there isn't a, an episode for last week. <laughs> Unfortunately, Nick and I recorded a great episode, but uh, we had some severe audio issues that really made it unpleasant to listen Technical to. Technical difficulties. Um, I, maybe I'll put it as like a Patreon tier in the future, <laughs> like lost episodes where I just put <laughs> lost footage. Actually, with <laughs> the audio quality of that one, you might put that out for people who don't subscribe to patreon yeah, they as, as are forced forced to listen to that one <laughs> so unfortunately there is no episode 61 um uh, so we're jumping straight into 62 um but the good news is we have emery back so hooray you can see his beautiful freshly shaven face that was the real malfunction i wasn't here <laughs> <laughs> but uh we believe we have that all resolved so should have a great episode for you today now, what have you guys been watching, listening to, reading? I went through the entirety of Peacemaker Season 1, and it's fantastic. Interesting. Oh, my God. I have never been more uh, affirmed in my belief that one person should write a show from beginning to end. <laughs> And James Gunn did exactly that, and it shows. I will have to put that on the list. Oh, you'll need to put that on the list. I've also, heard... for the first episode, uh, don't have your kids there because there might be a small moment of full frontal. Ooh. Maybe. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Uh, yeah. It, it, again, it's a small moment. It's a very small moment. Emphasis it's on small. It's very small. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say uh, your boy John Cena did steroids, but... <laughs> oh, shrunken balls. <laughs> oh. uh, yeah, I watched that, and I've been catching up on Doom Patrol, and it's still proving to be everything that I want from an X-Men TV series. Really? It, oh, my God. It is that good. It is that kooky. It is that... Uh, it, it is exactly what I expect from a team of misfits trying to live together and failing hard at every fucking turn. It's beautiful. Fantastic. 
Brendan Fraser's best role in like 10 years. Oh my God. Brendan Fra- Fraser's only role in like 10 years. <laughs> of note. <laughs> of course, hurts. he had several things canceled recently. So, uh, oh, oh. including Batgirl. So, oh, it yeah. still hurts. Yep. I forgot he was <laughs> in uh, but yeah, that's what I've been watching. Nice. All right. As for you? me, I uh, finished, or I got caught up, I guess. They're actually a new one launched on Friday. But before Friday, I was uh, fully caught up on the new season of Mystery Science Theater. Ooh. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. If you haven't watched it, definitely uh, check it out. Um, the I was telling you guys, I think the last, well, the last actual episode that we did about the Doctor Strange ripoff. Yeah. That one, by far my favorite. Absolutely hysterical. And that movie is so incredibly bad. It's so bad, it's perfect. That would be perfect for the show, then. Dr. Mordred, I think, is what it, or Mordo, or something. I forget. Yeah, they exactly should have just called it, it Mr. Weird. Yeah, exactly. That would be fantastic. Um, other than that, watching uh, a couple other Hulu, Netflix esque shows, a uh, couple episodes behind on Only Murders in the Building. If you guys haven't checked that out, that's a Hulu have, show. It right? is a Hulu show. Yet. It's in the it's, news. It's pretty good. It actually is. It's it's pretty funny. I'm not a huge uh, Martin Short fan, but Martin Short and Steve Martin together, classic. Oh. I mean, absolutely classic. So it's a comedy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's a. I have no idea what it's about. I drama just... comedy. It's about a group of three people. It's Martin Short, Steve Martin, and Selena Gomez who live in this super luxurious uh, New York apartment complex, and uh, they are they find out through each other or they through a series of events they end up meeting each other and find out that they're all fans of uh true crime podcasts well then there's a murder in their building so they decide to put on a true crime podcast (laughs) and try to solve the murder oh my god and it's a good premise absolutely hilarious yeah, so. it'll be in the news later on, but yeah, good shout out. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, you know, because I'm a true professional, I forgot to do uh, all of the mandatory uh, promotions and intro stuff. So uh, <laughs> you can always reach out to us at HTBVids on Twitter. You can find us at HTBVids.com. You can also go to Facebook.com forward slash hit the books. And of course, Those Natural Ones airs every Tuesday at 8.30 Eastern Standard Time on Twitch.tv forward slash Those Natural Ones. Yep. For, and uh, facebook.com slash those natural ones you can actually email us directly at those natural ones at gmail.com as well uh, we also have youtube which will be linked in all of that information as well great all right well uh, as far as what i've done um some of this is rehashing from last week because again lost episode but uh, I finally did catch up with my Marvel stuff. Now, now I'm behind because She-Hulk has aired. Yeah, I haven't first watched episode. it yet. I haven't watched the first episode of She-Hulk. Oh, I, I actually did. And there's a, a little bit of controversy going on with this show because there are a lot of people with uh, LDE or uh, <clears throat> low dick, uh, not low dick, little dick energy, um, complaining. And it's like, oh, yeah. this is a man-hating show. Uh, <clears throat> Hey, if it's not for you, it's not for you. I found it. It's all right. I mean, it. It's a first episode that. Uh, it drags a little at the beginning, but like once we actually get to the part that we all actually care about, which is uh, this lady becoming the Hulk, 
it, it moves at a pretty decent clip and has some humor in it that so, uh, is entirely believable. So you're saying it's like every other origin movie and TV show it, ever? It, it absolutely is. Okay. Which is why, yeah. it, like, on a scale of one to ten, seven. I'll probably watch it tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. It, it's solid. Not not the best, but definitely not the worst like a lot of people are trying to make it out to be. Well, hopefully it's not bad because it's an extra long season. So it's nine mm-hmm. episodes instead of the typical six as the fact that we're calling a nine-episode season an extra-long season <laughs> is absolutely ridiculous. For Disney+. Plus. Uh, uh, okay, uh, I mean, WandaVision came out of the gate with nine. Did it really? Yeah. yeah. It did. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> That's probably why it felt nine. so long. Yeah, Yeah. WandaVision was nine. I wanted that a lot of the ones uh, so much faster. A lot Wasn't of the ones Falcon, between that. Falcon and Winter Soldier nine as well? Falcon and Winter Soldier was six. Was it? Yeah. Uh, Actually, a lot of the ones between WandaVision and this one were six. Yeah, I thought they were all it six, was like to be honest. Falcon, Winter Soldier. Up to this point. Uh, Hawkeye, Ms. Marvel. Um, My internet Were there any other me. ones? No, that's it. Uh, oh, I, Loki. Duh. Loki. Loki. Loki was also six. Uh, I will say I I still haven't seen the, the shorts that they have called I Am Groot. Uh, they're they're funny. They're not anything special. Like I was watching them the other day with my kids. They're typical Disney shorts. Um, they're just goofy little five minute long, oh, and okay. I think there's like four of them out right now. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, I think this is actually the first time since uh, Wandavision that they've done nine episodes for anything. Yeah, and then uh, as we know, Daredevil will be eighteen episodes. Yes, so it is. I'm so excited. Double that up. I'm so excited. Ooh. Yep. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I finally got caught up on Miss Marvel, and uh, now we can talk spoilers. So if you don't want to hear minor spoilers spoiler for the very alert. end of it, big spoiler <laughs> alert. Don't listen past this for at least you know nobody's five, listening. Anyway, five so ten minutes. Matter. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> it hurts. Uh, <laughs> Too soon. But uh, yeah, don't don't listen past this point if you don't want to hear spoilers. So. Um, series itself, it was fine. I, I thought the first two or three episodes were particularly good, and then after that point, it got really rushed, and they yeah. they were like making us they try to care about characters that died like ten minutes after they could have them. easily extended that to like an eight or nine episode season. They tried yeah. to cram too much into the back right. half of that season, which yeah. is really apparent when you realize one of those episodes is partially a history lesson. Exactly. Yeah. Not partially. Completely. Like entirely yeah. a history lesson. I, I was trying to be charitable, yeah. but uh, it, it. There's a lot of shenanigans. So we're, we're just gonna appear and. Pakistan slash yeah. India during the uh, separation of the two states, and yeah. I, I will. I will. <laughs> we're say gonna magically be in the past, and then magically be in the present again for reasons. Because magic. Because reasons. Because reasons. Yeah. Uh, God damn it! They made me care about guy. her grandmother, like her, yeah. <laughs> like her, like pre-partition or mid-partition, like ancestor, more than her during that episode, which is like. Guys, you cannot come up with a more interesting character than the main character. Yeah. <laughs> or you shouldn't. But the biggest thing from that, uh, the biggest takeaway from the entire season of Miss Marvel yeah. is the last minute and a half, I think. God! <laughs> uh, yeah. They, uh, again, uh, it's kind of dumb that they even bothered to insert this at, at all. But uh, they they went in there and had this little throwaway line, unless you know what they're talking about. That right. 
he an- analyzed her DNA, and there's something more. There's a, a mutation. mutation. Yeah. <laughs> Which, again, you know that they had yeah. to do it some way or another, and it's probably the best way they could ease their toe into that water you know yeah and then as far as uh, we discussed this last week so this is treading old ground but yeah um you know in the comics she's an inhuman which is kind of tied into the whole kree thing which miss marvel and captain marvel are both tied into in separate ways and that's how they link the characters more or less now she's not Cree at all. Well, <laughs> she's just I'm, a mutant. Hey, yeah, we'll which, see. You know, I'm still not entirely convinced that they're not going to go that route, considering the whole uh, what they're doing with the Marvels and everything, and the length of the uh, cosmic powers, so to speak. Yeah, I have a feeling they're going to still tie into the Cree somehow. Like possibly, maybe they're going to. And this is just me fucking throwing shit at the wall and seeing what <laughs> sticks. But it possibly as extreme as the Krees were the ones that caused the mutation. I mean, that's Maybe. entirely yeah. possible that, I mean, that's essentially what the inhumans were at the beginning was the, the Kree mutating like a section of humans and right. giving them powers. But, and the delineation the between inhumans <laughs> and mutants is... Yeah, and my point yeah, is... It's entirely artificial. Yeah, yeah. And, and my point is, like, why in the MCU, why even make that discerning fact and not just put them in the same fucking category? Well, the, the biggest reason is because the Inhumans can't sell worth a goddamn. Well, yeah. <laughs> Nobody but gives a fuck try. about Blackagar Boltagon. They really try. Imagine how well they'll <laughs> they sell if, they, if the MCU creates them and the mutants in the same genre and you just kind of meld them into one subspecies. Except we had them try to kill each other. Uh, so, it, yeah. Because, you know, Fox we're not, owned one. We're not talking about the comics. <laughs> we're talking about... We're talking about the MCU now. Uh, okay, in the MCU, the biggest point of contention that everyone has is what the fuck are they going to do to bring the mutants in? Because it seems like, as far as it's concerned, they haven't really had a plan other than maybe dropping a hint here and there. They, they, and that there first, was no plan. And that first here was Ms. Marvel. Don't let... Don't let Feige for, fool you. There was never a plan. There, there was never a plan. They didn't think that they were ever going to have the fucking... And I mean, granted, now in the past year or so, there's probably been the development of a developing plan, but they never had a plan because they never thought they were going to have the rights to this shit until they, the opportunity <laughs> came to buy Fox. They didn't have a plan to include these characters. They had a plan to create characters to replace these characters. That's true. That like, Hence why they tried to use the Inhumans. And, well, that didn't work out. Right. Yeah. Like They, they had a, a series that came and went. But bottom line is, I mean, Marvel's... One of Marvel's most iconic franchises is X-Men. You can't do the MCU without X-Men at some point, I would think. Right. They've gotten away with it for 12 (laughs) years. That that is true. That is true. Right. But now, like, the, the growing concern amongst the fandom is when... I just well, fucking see, win. I just hope now, they don't fumble it. Now what they have to do is create another holocaust 
and then start going from there. So that way you have all of the background to work for. So probably another 40 years and we'll see <laughs> a legitimate X-Men series in the yeah. MCU. I, I yeah. mean, th- you can pull from like a number of different genocides that happened in the That's world. True. We're going to make Magneto a Uyghur. Oh, <laughs> go full send. Ooh, like only when we're done with China's money. <laughs> wow. Because uh, you, you fucking, you know that's a sore spot. It's so true, it hurts. <laughs> uh, yeah, but other than that, like I, I generally enjoyed the show. I, I, obviously, I don't think cynical middle-aged men are the, right. the target audience of Miss Marvel. Like, so my, there, my t- there's, some, there's some audience concerns there, but I, it felt like a fun series similar to uh, Kim's Convenience. I think they oh took- my God. God, I, I think that. they borrowed a lot from Kin's Convenience. I still need to. I th- especially think I still in those have like three episodes. four episodes left of that show that I never went back and finished. Yeah, I've but heard like, the last season's really bad. <laughs> it is. It is. That's why I couldn't finish it. Oh my god! Um, but my my ten year old daughter absolutely loved the show. It was. Mm-hmm. It's her. And I would favorite. assume that's the target demo, and right? She's yeah. she's watched almost everything in the MCU at this point. I mean, I've watched it with her, and I've kind of picked and choose different scenes that she probably shouldn't watch Mm -hmm. um i'm pretty sure the only movies she hasn't seen so far are iron man 3 uh multiverse of madness and black widow i think those are the only three that she hasn't seen she can so. skip Iron Man three. That yeah, adds I, that, absolutely. Yeah, nothing. no. We started yeah, watching. We retcon a lot of that yeah. stuff. <laughs> we started watching Iron Man three, and she's like, "Yeah, I don't think I want to watch this." I was like, "I don't think I want to watch this either," and I've already seen it. Yeah. So you can, only... show, you can show the twist with Ben Kingsley. Yeah. So she's ready for Shang Chi, and then yeah, right. That's it. Oh yeah, I I just was like, so this is what happened, and this is who this character really is, and this is why it's funny. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I would say like just that little snippet and maybe uh, that one shot that Marvel did, All Hail the King, where you get to see, oh, he's in prison and he's just been abducted by the real Mandarin. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's really all you need. The rest of that movie, you don't need it at all. No. Not not even a little it's bit. Always, it's they always fun. a lot of it, too. <laughs> yeah, they did. It's always fun to talk to people and ask them, uh, so which is the worst movie, Thor 2 or Iron Man 3? <laughs> oh. it, it's Iron Man 3 it, for yeah, me. For me yeah, it's, like, it's not even close. For me, it's Iron Man 3, too. Yeah, that I mean... Thor 2 at least has Loki in it, being That's like a, a chuckle yeah. fuck, like he always is. Yeah. And meow meow. And, and meow meow. <laughs> Even though I hate every time she says it, it's like mm, that, 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 that's that's her character. That, her completely irrelevant, not irrelevant, irreverent, and just not giving a fuck about anything. Of course, she would call it meow meow. You know, it's, <laughs> he, yeah. he meow, hates that I, so I, much. I, yes, I hate it so much. <laughs> Respect the fucking hammer, goddammit. <laughs> but it's meow meow. I, um, <laughs> don't you do it? But uh, yeah. Uh, all caught up now. Just got to watch She-Hulk, which came out on my birthday. <laughs> Happy late birthday. Um, so, yeah, the, looking forward to it, but we'll see. I've, you know, people on the internet are going to internet. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's, <laughs> it has a female main character, so, of course, all the incels are going to be pissy. And, yeah, I, I've heard, you know, 
I've heard a lot more about the CG being the issue. Yeah, than the anything. CG looks kind of trashy, but it's pretty bad. Uh, okay, it uh, is what it is. I will say there's not nearly as much texture like on the skin for She-Hulk as there is on Banner, but I think that's because well, Marvel might not be paying their effects people as well as they used to, or they might just be I mean, overworking they're the probably shit. Just, they're probably are we, overworking. Are we going to talk about the third eye in multiverse? Oh, how that damn near seemed like a fucking... Uh, What's that app that has those silly little effects that you can... Fucking Snapchat? Yeah, that yeah. looked like a fucking Snapchat filter. Like, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, we're just going to put an eye on your forehead. And, uh, there the, you uh, go. Uh, annoying orange or whatever, the yeah. YouTube it, character. It, yeah. Yes. Uh, like, like <laughs> yeah, <the> absolutely. <laughs> now, mind you, it's a Sam Raimi movie. I kind of expect well, some yeah, low-budget all... shit like yeah. that. I mean, look at the... Uh, Doctor Strange Zombie. I mean, that was straight up <laughs> Sam <Dead>. Raimi, <laughs> Evil Dead, <laughs> shitty effects, cheap budget. <laughs> Even though it was not a cheap budget. It, no. Not a cheap budget at all. It still looked like it. But speaking of uh, a lot of CG and not a cheap budget. Oh, no. Sandman. Sandman. The Netflix series. Oh. I've watched the first four episodes. I have not finished it yet. I don't know what to feel. <laughs> like I both love it and hate it at the same time. And I'm going to keep watching. You both love it and hate it. That's interesting. I both love it and hate it at the same time. And it's a weird, conflicting feeling. It both captures everything perfectly and not at all. <laughs> it's, it's a very frustrating thing that I'm like watching and I'm like, oh, this is wonderful. This is exactly what I would imagine in some kind of live action adaptation. And then something happens or somebody says something that's way out of character. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> uh, so it's really... It's enjoyable. It really is. And I, I think all the Netflix adaptations of things seem to have the same fundamental flaw in that they don't have a concise direction from the beginning. Right. They seem to be all over the place. Now, granted, uh, Sandman, the comic by Neil Gaiman, is notoriously all over the place, you know, and it's meant to be. It's supposed to disorient you, make you feel like you're not quite sure where we're going, and then, boom, you get surprised by the, the conclusion and the end result, um, which which is why it's such an effective comic book. But in the TV adaptation of it, it's hard to follow that. It's hard to adapt to that kind of cinematic nature in the comic where it's all over the place on purpose because you can see the whole page and you can kind of see the full picture. I fear, much like the Witcher series, that they're going all over the place and they're not giving new fans and newcomers any kind of grounding to know what the fuck is going on. <laughs> it's like, yeah. The, it's a uh, lot of inside baseball in this in the series, which is great for the fans who know the comic inside and out, like you and me. Right. But I think for the newcomers, it's going to be very alienating, especially through these first four episodes that I've watched. And they've also made some changes both i think for the better and in other ways not so much i don't i'm interested to hear what you think of it uh i've watched the entire series and you said you got to episode four episode four is where i'm at episode four i think okay. it's 10 episodes right yeah yeah it's 10 episodes uh is that the conclusion of the john d story 
I think like, the, has John D encountered I think the hell Sandman? was the last one. Hell was the last one. The battle with Lucifer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the last one I had. Okay, so I think you have two more episodes before the episode that uh, made me have an existential crisis for like all of a minute. <laughs> now, have you read the comic all the way through? Yes. Okay, great. Uh, uh, I will say that there are some uh, artistic liberties taken and maybe a couple of... Uh, Mixed matches and uh, maybe a, a shortcut here and there. Yeah. That being said, I think that was all, from what I can tell, done to serve the story. And uh, ooh, Do you that, have some examples? Uh, well, there is one with the... These are episodes you haven't gotten to yet. Okay. Uh, well, try to, try to avoid spoilers uh, if you can. Uh, okay. Uh, I'm going to avoid spoilers uh, specifically with the first four episodes. I'm going to say uh, you've met uh, Joanna Constantine or Constantine. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think she's episode two or three. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, the liberties that they took with her were specifically to basically make her a different character from John Constantine, which it kind of works and it kind of doesn't. It doesn't work for me. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I get what they were doing. And I, from what Kevin Smith is saying, it's a rights issue because HBO max is currently in production status for a new Constantine show. Right. But uh, (laughs) the hashtag worked. (laughs) Oh my my God. (laughs) Almost. Almost. I don't know if you've seen the news, but they're apparently not casting somebody who looks and has the of part of John not. Constantine at all. So. Y- you mean they're not. passing on Matt Ryan? They're passing on Matt Ryan. Son of a... <laughs> okay. Constantine's going to be black, so that's what they're doing. And he's probably not going to be British. So What the... Oh, yeah. my God. Okay. <laughs> Based oh. on everything I've read up to this point. Okay. So, so no Idris Elba. No, not Idris Elba. Yeah. It's like he if was, you're going to go yeah. black, you, you go Idris Elba because it's. I I mean he like he would basically be like the perfect black version of Constantine, but they're not even going British. That's what the news says. I mean, we are. <laughs> of course, these are, we're reporting on rumors. Uh, uh, rumors. Everything is rumors. Rumors, which means yes. they're probably discussing whether or not that's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. I'm the problem s- is somebody overheard a conference call to yeah, somebody who said hey i think we're thinking about doing this what do you think about that like oh my god it, it, yeah I, I but just again put, I, in, put my d- thumb on the scale everything what everything for about. wb discovery is up in the air at this point i'm so. thinking you should fucking put matt ryan in there uh yeah the Hashtag man's perfect it's like save if you want to give him uh what i like to call on marvel side uh the black best friend or the black sidekick by all means, maybe even go back to the show where you had an angel who was black, who was constantly hounding him to do the right thing. I mean, th- there there's are... plenty of spots available. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. No. Just, they're also making a black Superman movie, which is a whole nother thing. Uh, we'll but, see uh, if that's still in production. because yeah, Supposedly uh, it's in flux, what's but, but likely canceled. <laughs> What's currently being referred to as the Axe of Zaslav is uh, <laughs> the, the, the man is 
Sounds like the best D&D weapon you should introduce. Yes, <laughs> yes I am doing that. 100%. We are having the Axe of Zaslav. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. The special it just in- instantly kills anything it touches. Uh, no, it, uh, it cuts off futures. <laughs> if you had a future plan, it's no, done. you don't. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say keep watching. There is one episode, I think it's episode six that uh yeah it was that one and i think the the following episode episode seven that both had me like really really fucking depressed for a minute but then Which, weirdly lifted my spirits like yeah. in the following episode i mean that's what sandman does best both uh, in the oh. comics and it sounds like the show oh yeah uh, but, like if you want an existential crisis watch the sandman yeah yeah but that, <laughs> i need to i need to check it out Oh, yeah. I might watch it this week. Yeah. Well, watch the first episode and see if it's right for you. Yeah. yeah the first episode is, like all I, these introduction shows, like the first episode's always kind of the longest. And you're like, okay, what's the point of this? And then it kind of gets going after that. I'm but. a little concerned just for because I don't like change. And uh, <laughs> look, I looked up the episode, the cast and everything. And when you were talking about the hell episode and the fact that they have Gwendolyn Christie playing Lucifer Morningstar and it's not fucking Lucifer. <laughs> like really the actual Lucifer fucking yeah. bothers me. It's it works. That's one of there's a there's oh, I'm going to be upfront. There's a lot of diversity motivated changes in the show from the comic. A lot of it works and yeah, a lot of it's perfectly fine. Lucifer Tom Ellis. I get it. I get. He's very good in the role. He's, he's very good. Fantastic as <laughs> Lucifer Morningstar. But now, uh, unfortunately, you, this is not tied to that. Uh, both yeah. Gwendolyn Christie and Tom Ellis basically caught shit for not being David Bowie. <laughs> but, yeah, I, 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 I mean, no one who plays Lucifer for a DC-related property is going to really go without, you know, catching some smoke from the fans. <sighs> Yeah, uh, some Tom, of it's warranted, some of it's not. I think um, Tom Ellis, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's he's fantastic. He is. There's a lot of good stuff to to see in this show, and there's a lot of diverse roles in the show, for better or worse. And some of them work really well. Like you were mentioning, Lucifer works very well. She's very menacing. She plays the part perfectly. I mean, Gwendolyn Christie yeah. is fantastic, so yeah. I'm sure she does a fantastic job. But yeah, she does a great job. Uh, some of the demons are changed into women that from the comic, and yeah, you know, it works. It's fine. Um, it really doesn't change anything narratively or cause any kind of like significant iconic statuses to disappear. I think the one that bothers me though is Lucian. Because the whole point of Lucian is that he's this tall, lanky, like old butler type, and they changed him into this short young woman, <laughs> and, it, it, and it just doesn't work. I don't like. It, it, he has a very iconic image, and it just doesn't work. It, it doesn't work. Let Let's be clear. It doesn't work for you. I personally, obviously, all of this is subjective. Yeah, right? like I personally didn't didn't really lose much because. I mean, looks aside, they performed the same function. 
and actually in Do a they? couple <laughs> and <laughs> actually know. in a couple of places uh in the story that they're trying to tell i mean they didn't even change her name <laughs> it, it, I, I mean the spelling is like lucien, lucien. <laughs> like, it's, like, it's so dumb <laughs> it's so forced like you, if you have to force it you're probably making the wrong decision the stuff that didn't have to be forced like lucifer it works yeah like you didn't have to force that one the actress played it well I think Lucian doesn't work. <laughs> it just—I don't know. Lucian as the character doesn't work. Um, uh, we talked about Joanna Constantine. Uh, apparently, some of that is rights issues behind the scenes because they're adapting another John Constantine product, and there's still technically the Berlantiverse Arrowverse version, which came from NBC. Yeah. So there's a lot of things in the air, but it's still made by WB. So I don't see why that would be an issue. And the problem with her is not that she portrays the character poorly. She does a good job. The actress does a good job. But they change who Constantine is. You know, Constantine's wearing a designer coat now and living in a, you know, a, basically a Manhattan loft, you know. And just nothing <laughs> rings Constantine about this character. The character doesn't chain smoke. The character doesn't have the iconic long trench coat. Like, nothing about the character screams Constantine. And the Joanna Constantine character existed in the comic book and had a really cool arc in the past because she's an ancestor to John Constantine. And now you've eliminated that. And uh, I, just, I, I will say I uh, that version of Joanna Constantine does still show up. In the past? Yeah. Wow, okay. Is it still Joanna Constantine? Uh, no, that just... one's John. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what we're doing? Yeah. yeah, hilariously, the one in the past, she's named John Constantine. No. <laughs> no, um, the the character Joanna Constantine, the the one that you know from the past, mm -hmm. who's basically the the house necromancer for the British Empire. Yep, she shows up. Okay, so we're just uh, <laughs> keeping uh, the I, name the same, keeping it, the story. Uh, That's good news, essentially. Uh, okay. I mean, I mean, I, how I many times have you seen? You know. This is Mark. He's named after my grandfather, Mark. So, yeah, absolutely. I, Keep the fucking name. I mean, his name, name is John, so it <laughs> makes sense <laughs> that Joanna <Yeah>. was a <laughs> predecessor. But John Anna. Yeah, or a long line of Johns and Joannas. Um, my name is yeah. Bruce. This is my bro brother, Bruce. This is my other brother, Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> and my, have you met my father, Bruce? <laughs> I'm sure for the newcomers, they'll enjoy Joanna Constantine and have no problems. But for people that are fans of John Constantine and Hellraiser, and like, <laughs> I don't know. It just like, why would you erase such a great character, such an iconic character that brings so much brand clout? to your new product that you're trying to push to a new audience. Because we needed the show out now and not, right. you know, in the indeterminate future when we finally have the rights back to use yeah. them. And everything gets Again, canceled. I don't, yeah. Yeah. I mean. It's being made by HBO Max, which is owned by them. So I just, there's, <laughs> that, the rights okay. issue doesn't make sense. You do realize that that's the parent company of doing cocaine comics. <laughs> <laughs> Arguing with themselves <laughs> as they cancel all of their own already made products. But yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. There's a lot to love about it. I really think they set great tone with every episode. Every episode really does stand on its own. Um, there's very little tying in all the episodes together so far but I'm sure it's going to come to a climax because that's what Sandman does is they drop little anecdotes here and there and then they hit you all with it, you know, 
Oh, series, and yeah. I'm the, assuming that's coming. The, the The last episode of the season does tie everything together. Yeah, and I, I think the the main actor does a a wonderful job. He nails the role. I, I can't see anyone else as the Sandman now. Yeah, so there's a lot to love about it. I I can't wait to watch the rest of it. But like I said, every episode there's like one or two things that they change. And I'm like, ooh, I don't know if that's the right direction to go in. But other things they change, I'm like, yeah, that was, that was a smart decision. That that works. So we'll see what else happens. Anyway, uh, we should probably get into the news because there's a lot of it, and we're doing two episodes worth. So <laughs> as we talked about with uh, doing Cocaine Comics and their parent company, <laughs> we have gotten more details about the Warner Brothers Discovery Plus cancellations. Before the merger, Walter Hamada had planned to release three to four more years of DC movies within the current DCEU. That would culminate with a Infinite Crisis movie uh, and do a final reset. The movie would feature cameos from past and present DC live-action characters, including uh, Snyderverse characters and the CW Berlantiverse. <coughs> the movie cl- plans included not only The Flash, but Batgirl, Black Adam, and Shazam 2, and also included a Green Lantern Corps project, Supergirl, Static Shock, and the Black Superman movie we discussed earlier. Some creators, such as James Gunn, have come out to confirm their projects as they're going forward, including Peacemaker Season 2, which Emery yes. loved, uh, Joker 2 Folie Adieu, uh, <laughs> the musical with Lady Gaga, and uh, the Blue Beetle Project starring uh, Aimee Reyes, you know, the version, uh, not the gold era version, just to clarify for anybody who's aware of Blue Beetle. And quite frankly, the footage looks great. We'll see if the movie's great, but I, the I footage, mean, the costume, everything looks I, like on point. I, I'm a big fan of Cobra Kai and the fact that they're using Sholo, if I'm pronouncing this right, uh, Mariduena, uh as the lead role. I am excited for this movie. Yeah, so we'll see. I I hope they just keep it out of the Snyderverse and don't even touch any of that stuff. It's its own thing. And it, it'll be just fine if they do. Um, Warner Brothers Discovery uh, were rumored to be considering three options for The Flash. The first was to release the movie with Ezra Miller attending counseling and going on an apology interview tour prior to the movie's release. The second option was to go forward with the release without Ezra Miller doing any press. And the third option was to cancel the movie outright. However, canceling the movie would be unprecedented since it is a $200 million blockbuster project. However, it appears the uh, apology tour will be the action taken as Ezra Miller very recently publicly apologized for his behavior and committed to seeking treatment in the near future. Uh, hooray. Uh, it's a hooray he was as a- long as no one's still missing from that compound that he had. <laughs> <laughs> he was a terrible choice for the Flash in the first place. This project should have been canned a fucking years ago uh, yeah that yeah. it was a mistake to make the flash basically uh fucking what's his name from the big bang theory <laughs> sheldon <laughs> yep he's basically uh, sheldon like this yeah oh, oh God. the worst so bad uh per variety a few ongoing shows are now on the chopping block uh titans and doom patrol are most likely to be cut according to the variety source amid the turmoil it has been revealed that the batman 2 has not been greenlit at this time despite having done significant pre-production work many projects both finished and in the works have been canceled and removed from the wb streaming services uh likely canceled products are batgirl which is almost all confirmed 
Strange Adventures, uh, which is re- recently talked about by Kevin Smith. It was going to be an anthology series meant to introduce lesser-known DC characters uh, for HBO Max, and it was basically all be tied into the, the Snyderverse, <clears throat> and then they'd bring in guest directors for each episode. Wonder Twins, which I still can't believe that was even a real project. <laughs> yeah, the uh, fact that they were going to make a Wonder Twins movie. It, it we're was... already at the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> <laughs> they just started. <laughs> they started at the bottom of the barrel. Uh <sighs> Man, uh, what I, are they going to do? Make a 700th Batman movie? Let's watch <laughs> Batman's parents get killed it again. Money. <laughs> it prints money. And uh, let's never, ever, you know, make a decent Superman movie for as long as we fucking live. Again. Uh, Demi Monde, which is a J.J. Abrams-led uh, sci-fi series that was going to be brand new for HBO Max, has been canned, uh, which also throws the Justice League Dark shows into question that was also going to be led by J.J. Abrams and would feature John Constantine. Ooh, somebody save Constantine. <laughs> Uh, the Green Lantern Corps movie is confirmed canceled, and the uh, Legends of Tomorrow and Batwoman shows on the CW are likely in their uh, Did- final... Didn't they cancel Batwoman like two years ago? <laughs> yeah, it, well, they're in. Yeah, we had an issue where uh, what was her name? Ruby Rose. Ruby Rose. Yeah, left she quit because of reasons that were not. Uh, yeah. Yep. She quit. <laughs> they brought things. in a new actress, and apparently reviews weren't all that great. <laughs> yeah, didn't it only last like two seasons though. I thought they uh, already it's canceled over. it. Yeah, it, it's it over. technically lasted three, but you wouldn't know that because nobody fucking watched it. <laughs> But they ended the series uh, on a cliffhanger, basically, yeah. and have no intentions of going back to yeah, rectify I, those cliffhangers. I watched the f- uh, same with uh, Legends of Tomorrow. I watched the first season of Batwoman, and it was good. It, well, good might be a little genu- good generous. for CW. It was it was decent, but yeah, I can't imagine it without Ruby uh, Rose. Ruby Rose. Yeah. yeah. Um, and this comes into another whole fiasco going on with their uh projects a cw majority rights have been purchased from paramount and warner bros discovery by broadcast company Nexstar. wbd and paramount will retain 12 and a half percent each but Nexstar will own the rest so um and Nexstar, if you guys aren't familiar it's basically like a, a like live broadcast tv entity that mostly has like government related programming and the hill and stuff like that yeah yay so uh not a lot of hope there no (laughs) so we'll see not a whole lot (laughs) apparently uh because of their stake in the projects they still will allow them to use like dc properties and stuff for their tv shows but we'll see how that goes and then of course we know the flash's final season was shortened to 13 episodes um and mercifully wrapping up very soon (laughs) Uh, HBO Max has removed 36 series confirmed from its streaming platform. These are series that were already finished, already on the service, already owned by the project. <laughs> and then Discovery Plus has removed 19 shows It's on its uh, streaming service. While the reasons have not been presented, sources from Variety have reported that the reasons are uh, reduction of royalty payments to the artists and creators. Shocker. <laughs> and taking advantage of tax write-offs that are only available at the point of merger, which means that if they take advantage of this, those things can never see the light of day and they can never try to make a profit off them again. So that really sucks for anybody that works on these projects. There's yeah. a big list of them. I'm not going to go through all of them, but feel free to Google them. They're all over the internet. 
<laughs> some of the weirdest items were like 200 episodes of Sesame Street. <laughs> like we're gonna leave the rest on there, but for some reason these 200 episodes are problematic. <laughs> so we're just gonna yeah, we're just, we're weirdly gonna leave was, all the episodes where uh, Elmo was, gets pissed at a rock. <laughs> <laughs> that was during Big Big Bird's cocaine phase. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's very strange. Um, you know. As you like to say, corporate greed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, insert clip, nailed it. Corporate and a, greed. And then the final and WB news. Uh, WB Game Studio Bortkey has delayed the upcoming Harry Potter RPG Hogwarts Legacy until February 2023. The game was originally scheduled to be released in 2021, but it's several setbacks, including the COVID uh, pandemic. Including uh, the COVID. And this game joins several other games that have been delayed to the beginning of next year, basically moving out of the God of War and uh, Call of Duty release windows. Uh, Forspoken is probably the most notorious of those. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I think the the biggest worry that w, WB Games is, probably has at this point is J.K. Rowling's Twitter. Yeah, we again we talked <laughs> yeah, about we, it on our last episode quite a bit actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but we pretty nobody was ever going to hear that. So. <laughs> the gist was, you know, separate the content from the creator. The fact that J.K. Rowling own it eventually. Yeah, the the fact that J.K. Rowling really has nothing to do with this video game, other than the fact that she created the source material for it. Yeah, yeah. but but I know that's not going to satisfy quite a few people, and that the fact that they cannot justify uh purchasing anything with her ip on it even though she's probably making like half of a percent at this point off of any royalties she's already gotten her money for the licensing fees and shit like that oh so she's already got the money so you not playing this game is not going to affect jk rowling one way or the other yeah for sure it's just, it's unfortunate that there's always going to be a very, very vocal minority that's going to try to pretend to be principled about this whole thing, and while not knowing any of the logistics no, they're going to, it. they're going to skip past GameStop, not pick up this game, <laughs> and go pick up their Chick-fil-A instead. Ooh! Delicious. Almost like there's some hypocrisy out in the world. A little bit. Who would have guessed? <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm very much looking forward to this Harry Potter game. It's I don't know if you guys are aware of the the setting and uh, the time period that's going to take place in. It's going to have nothing to do with the actual Harry Potter. It's going to be set it's in the late 1800s. Hogwarts. Yeah, late 1800s Hogwarts, which is cool. Ooh. Um, so you're going to start from scratch, basically get sorted by the Sorting Hat, and go through all seven years of Hogwarts, and then you're going to have an actual career outside of Hogwarts, which is awesome. So. Um, yeah, the, it's, it's very yeah. ambitious, which yeah. makes me a little worried. That seems like a lot to shove into one yeah. game. And Portkey Games in particular worries me a little because Portkey Games is known for mobile games yeah. <laughs> it, at the moment. This kind of this is their first AAA project. This kind of makes me think of all the hype that came out for the first Fable game. If you oh. guys remember that, oh, and how yeah. they're like, you're gonna live your entire life. You are going to start as a child. And the things that you do as a child are going to impact what you do as an adult. And then they didn't mention the fact that you skip literally like 20 years in the middle of the game and you go literally do one quest and go from like a 10-year-old to a 30-year-old. <laughs> and uh, it, yeah. the things you do just mean that certain NPCs will say certain dialogues to you and your character might have a few scars on their body. 
And that's it. And that's it. <laughs> like, I've felt this high. Granted, you know, yes, that was like 25 years ago when that game came out or something like that. However, I've seen this hype before. And that is a lot of shit to dump into one it's game. A that is a, that here thing that live works. your entire life in this video game. <laughs> it's, it's it's like Harry the, Potter, The Sims. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, the concept of overpromising and underdelivering is nothing new for the gaming. Community. Well, this yeah. is very true, yeah. and we know WB. Ooh, also, they don't know what true. restraint means. <laughs> Both in budgetary constraints and in promising. What they didn't tell you was the person who uh, originally wrote out this pitch was Ezra Miller. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, say Todd <laughs> Howard because, according to them, it's not uh, it's not about how the game starts; it's about where the game ends and, up. And uh, what you don't know is to unlock the third and fourth year at Hogwarts, you have to go move into a compound. <laughs> oh, Harry, the settlement's under attack. <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh really looking forward to that harry potter game have anything to say about all the other dc warner bros discovery news let it die <laughs> they won't i know they won't but they, they should <laughs> let it all die burn it with fire start uh, from start start over just just yeah. fucking start over i i think that might be david zaslav's imperative is to, it seems to be his intent. It's like cut out anything that he, either he looked at personally and knew wasn't going to sell well, or like all of these other things that are just bleeding money and just, we're going to cut it, we're going to start over, which is for the best, all things considered. Yeah. Let's That's... just hope that the one thing that he does cut is their supply of cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> well, that won't happen as long as Walter Hamada is in charge of uh, creative. Of a so bitch. <laughs> we will see what happens. But uh, yeah, it's it's encouraging in one way, but there's still stuff coming. They're still working on fixing Aquaman 2, which because of Amber Heard. Yeah. No. We don't need Aquaman 2. No, we don't need Aquaman 2. We don't 2. need The Flash. We don't need an infinite crisis reset because we don't want uh, we already uh, had an infinite uh, crisis reset it was called ezra miller <laughs> yeah we just we don't need these things so please uh, start from uh, scratch release shazam 2 just so i can have that and then move on yeah uh, release shazam 2 and release aquaman 2 but with uh bruce. batman weirdly spliced in where amber no, Heard's bruce campbell to, mm, i love you maybe i yeah. took it <laughs> put in yeah put in bruce campbell i that just awkwardly that, put him in where amber heard's supposed to be well like, there was every time yeah we talked about it uh I few, hope they have a quite a scene. few <laughs> <laughs> we talked about it quite a few episodes ago about there was an online petition to actually replace amber heard with bruce campbell for aquaman 2 and it had over a million signatures god <laughs> i mean dc's insane enough to do it so i oh, okay i wouldn't be surprised for that do cocaine yeah <laughs> absolutely put bruce campbell in there uh this is gonna become a morbid situation i can feel it already yep uh next up on the news it's heavy D, &D so yes, you guys are probably gonna take the lead here I'll go just... ahead and take a nap all right <laughs> all right uh, oh no listen listen close because babby's first D, D session is coming I'm sure I'll learn a lot from this. <laughs> I'm sure I'm going to retain all of it. Yes. So, yeah. Do you want to? Uh, yes. Uh, well, uh, the announcement of one D and D, which happened uh, 
as of our recording uh, last Thursday. Yeah, it was just a few days ago. Yeah, it was just a few days ago. The a revi- like supposedly a revised and expanded stable rule set based on <laughs> six of <edition. laughs> and we're not we're gonna, we're we're gonna get to that. Um, and revised and expanded stable rule set based on fifth edition that will be unifying everything going forward. Uh, it will include physical digital bundles, uh, which will be a combination of like once you buy a book, you you're going to get a key which that gives you access to the something digital book. I and I'm sure everyone else who has a D and D Beyond subscription has been wanting. For years. Oh, absolutely. I don't want to have to buy my books twice. <laughs> yeah, please don't but, make me. And now that D&D Beyond is part, or soon to be part of Wizards and not their own separate entity that needs to make their own money, um, it is the fact that it's happening makes me very happy. Oh. It's worth noting the comic book industry has been doing this quite well. With and, the exception of DC, they still don't do it. Yeah, and, and uh, Wizards of the Coast is just now catching on. Yep. And mind you, the biggest uh, hiccup was that they didn't own uh, D&D Beyond. Which D&D Beyond is the premier digital platform for all yeah. things D&D. So. But now that they own it, they can actually move forward with that plan, which is what everyone has wanted basically since the beginning of D&D Beyond. Right. Also... Uh, one D&D is going to be uh, soon, most likely in 2024 at this point, going to be utilizing the Unreal Engine with uh, software for modeling and tilt and shift camera focuses to, repl- uh, to, replicate. to replicate the tabletop experience, which honestly, I'm both excited for and worried about because one... This is them trying to basically get into as close to a video game as they could possibly manage. I mean, yes and no. I yeah. Uh, watching that uh, video, the announcement video for this, they were very, very, very specific on saying this is not a video game. This we are not trying to make this look like a video game. We want this to be a virtual tabletop. Mm-hmm. We want you to realize that you are still playing a tabletop game. They hammered that point in. They did. Which leads me to the next point that I'm going to make. Every single virtual tabletop that's been made to replicate that experience now basically has a sword of Damocles hanging over their head. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, And here's the thing. I mean, virtual tabletops especially after COVID and everything became huge. Oh, Um, yeah. You have Foundry, uh, Roll20, all of these other... And also, you go into the virtual reality like the Tabletop Simulator and shit like that. Oh, yeah. Which, I guess the good thing about Tabletop Simulator is it's not just for D&D. It's for literally... People play poker on Tabletop Simulator. Yeah. So they still don't have to worry about too much. Yes, they're going to lose their D&D to probably this because I don't know if you watched that video, but it looks fucking incredible. Oh, I watched that from beginning to yeah, end like and the, I don't think I've seen models that detailed yeah, anywhere. The else. fact that and they talk about a detailed cu- uh, character customization in there, so the fact that you can actually customize your minis to look exactly how you want. I we haven't seen details of that yet. But right. with the things that Unreal Engine can do, 
there is no reason they can't have a Skyrim level cus- character customization for your mini at this point. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a good point because I was going to ask you guys a question if you think this took anything away from the imagination aspect of Dungeons and Dragons where you are imagining what your character yes looks and like no. and all this stuff. Yeah. But if they have such a yeah. in-depth customization of the minis themselves, which that would fix that, right? Which, yeah, which again, we, we don't have any details of that yet. We just saw a handful of minis that were pre, pre-developed in this little, you know, snippet video that they did. Um, but they talked about... They wanted to do an in. I think the exact words that they used were an in-depth character creation for your minis. Yep. So and look at, like I said, look at games like Skyrim. Look at games like, you know, I don't want to say World of Warcraft because their customization sucks, but you <laughs> it's know, very limited. Yeah, look at all of these other RPGs out there, and the the fact that you know, I don't know about you guys, but I have spent hours just customizing you, just a character, creating a character. Yeah. In, <laughs> Uh, even like Mass Effect, where you have like four different hairstyles and shit, and you still have a you have to have a military look no matter what because you're in the military, <laughs> so your looks still you still gotta like tweak those eyes just a little bit more. So you know, uh, yeah, someone who's played a whole lot of Elden Ring since yeah. it came out, uh, creating characters is like almost a game unto itself because. Sometimes you want to make someone who looks like a badass or like someone who belongs in an action movie, but sometimes you just want to make the ugliest motherfucker you've ever yeah. seen in your life. And like we've already had uh, D&D model creation through things like Hero Forge and uh, Eldritch Foundry. Eldritch Foundry, thank right. you. Um, and things like that, which give you a pretty solid... Like you can pretty much make exactly what you want and what you imagine in those things already. So to have them incorporated into their own virtual tabletop is pretty fantastic. Yeah. But uh, while all of that's true for the virtual tabletop, let's circle back to one D&D. We need to talk about that because like for the longest time to preface uh, what we're going to talk about, up until one D&D was announced, D&D was released in commonly called editions. Like the very first form of D&D, like we call that first edition, or at this point, uh, OSR, old school rules. Um, there was advanced D&D. Second D- edition. Second edition. Third edition. And then 3.5, which a lot of people liked. And we don't talk about fourth edition. We don't talk about fourth edition. As much fun as I had with that system, it was deeply flawed. Uh, and then the current edition, which is fifth edition, which will, uh, which came out in 2014. So we are at, uh, by the time one D and D comes out, it will be have been a decade since fifth edition came out. Full decade. So not to sidetrack you guys too much, but what's the major difference with each edition? Rules. The way that the way things. Uh, more or less the way things are handled uh, when it comes to like prior to which which edition was the D20 rule established was that fourth uh, or was that three uh, I think that was third edition so prior to third edition they didn't do the roll a D20 for every skill you had different ways of rolling different skills like now in fifth edition and even prior to that ever since the introduction of the D20 rule if you say you know 
I want to jump across this chasm. I, as the dungeon master say, okay, make an athletics check. You roll one die. You roll a d20. You take that number, add your modifiers, and that's uh, goes against whatever my predetermined difficulty or challenge rating or DC. Uh, not doing cocaine um, <laughs> is. I got and, excited. Yeah, <laughs> and if you meet or beat, then you win, and you are successful. If you are under that, uh, you fail. So, and that goes for every skill, every thing that you do. Almost in D and D comes down to that D twenty roll, the roll of the twenty sided die. Prior to that, I never played, so I don't know the rules that well. I, I think that it might have been mostly D6s or like what everyone like will know as dice, like the six-sided die that everyone uses for every game that isn't Dungeons and Dragons. Um, I'm pretty sure like the first, like first edition, AD&D and maybe second edition uh, were primarily D6s. I'll have to go back and check, but yeah, it, the one thing that you will notice about the the additions is that the way that uh, the rule set, like how things are determined, uh, it has consistently changed with each edition to the point where um, second edition to third edition is like a hard change. Yes. Third edition in 3.5 to fourth edition was a hard change. And... The thing that also you have to realize is that in each edition, things got simpler. So like prior to uh, some of the more recent editions where you just have AC or armor class, which is a specific number that um, say you have an armor class of 15, somebody attacking you has to roll a 15 or higher to hit you. If they roll a 14, they don't hit you. You block the attack or you dodge out of the way. Prior to that, they had Thacko. Two hit armor class zero, and good God. It, like, if I wanted to come up with an obtuse system to it, determine how someone gets hit or you not. You needed a calculus degree to figure out whether or not you had you hit. It, it was... it was Sounds efficient. <laughs> yeah. It was not efficient at all. It was needlessly obtuse. And that's <laughs> that's been the biggest change is also the streamlining of different... Uh, skills and stuff like that and everything especially with fifth edition i believe fifth edition was the biggest change to make things more uh newcomer newcomer friendly friendly is the good way to say it yeah well that makes me curious because i know there's like those like crazy D D groups that have been playing the same theoretical game for 20 or 30 years or whatever are they changing editions? Like no, most story. Or like, are they still on the original rule set? <laughs> there's this one guy that I just watched a YouTube video for. Uh, one of my guys at work sent it to me. Um, there's this one dude who's been running the same game for 40 years. I know which video yeah. you're talking about. And that's probably the same one I yeah. saw. Yeah. And yeah. he's talking about. And first off, he had to that kill guy, his daughter off. At one his point. daughter. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, like that guy. First off. That DM is everything I don't want to be in a DM. That guy annoys the piss out of me, and I would hate to fucking play for him. But anyway, um, that's neither here nor there. Yeah. When they He's tearing when, down legends over here. Yeah. When they uh, <laughs> Nick Marlock, everybody. Exactly. I mean, clearly he's running an entertaining game. 
since he's been doing it for 40 years. For them to be committed to that for that long. However, the way he plays and the things he was saying, (laughs) the things he was saying in that video just made me like, really, dude? You fucking chill the fuck out. God (laughs) complex way too much. (laughs) But anyway, um, in that video. It's a bit much. In that video, he does. I mean, you you have to be pretty extra to do this for forty years. (laughs) In that video, he does. You do go across everything, and he has an A D and D Advanced Dungeons and Dragons player handbook sitting there. So my assumption from watching that is they are still playing Second Edition. Uh, yeah, that's that's one thing that you you will commonly see in a game is like if you are playing a game, and a new version of that game is coming out. They're most likely uh, not going to switch to a new system until that game is either finished or the entire party dies. Yeah, that makes sense. Like this new, I fuck it. It's six edition. I don't fucking care this backwards compatibility (laughs) bullshit that they're talking about. This when you PlayStation or something. When you uh, straight up say we're doing a brand new player's handbook, a brand new monster manual, and a brand new fucking dungeon master guide, it's a new fucking edition. It's 6th edition. I don't give a shit. I will not be adopting 6th edition, at least not in the current state that they're talking about, um, at least for quite a while. And there is one... And again, all of this is tentative. It's Unearthed Arcana, which means it's more or less beta testing. So nothing that is announced right now is official. So things will change between now and next year when these launch. But I swear to fucking Christ, if this fucking crit rule is still in there that they're talking about, and I'll get into it in a minute, I will not be switching to 6th edition. And if you want to play in my games, we're playing in fucking 5th edition. Don't you have the freedom, though, to just say, hey, that's not yeah, valid. We're we not going to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Do everything else Yeah, 6th yeah. edition. And yeah. absolutely we do. And I, that's probably, let's be honest, that's probably what I'm going to end up doing anyway. I'm not going to be that (laughs) petty. But (laughs) this crit rule. Okay. So for those who are not uh, vested in the world and the lore and the terminology of Dungeons and Dragons. So when attacking with either a weapon or spell currently, uh, with either a weapon or spell on some, to when you're attacking, either the player is attacking or the dungeon master is attacking the player. You roll a d20, add your modifiers, your like your strength or dexterity or whatever modifiers you have plus your proficiencies, gets your attack's number. If that number is higher than the armor class, you hit. However, if you roll a natural 20, so that means you roll the dice and it pops up with a 20, which is a 5% chance of happening, that is considered a critical hit. So, if you're attacking with a weapon, that say that sword you have... Uh, cuts for 1d6 plus 4, whatever, plus your modifier. Um, you roll one six-sided die and add your modifiers to it, and that's how much damage you do. If you crit, if you hit that 20 and you crit, you get to double your dice damage, which means instead of 1d6, you have 2d6. Right now, any spellcaster who does a spell that actually requires a roll to hit and any melee or unarmed strike gets to double the dice damage if they are a critical hit and that does also includes any additional dice damage for certain other uh classes that have specific abilities that 
in certain circumstances, they get to add additional dice, like the Rogue Sneak Attack or the Paladin's Divine Smite, stuff like that. Those dice are also doubled. This new rule that they've announced this week, which is fucking stupid, I'm just going to reiterate, it's fucking stupid, means now Dungeon Masters never crit. No creatures will crit on a player. And your crit, no no spellcasters will ever crit. The crits only affect weapons, melee weapons. It was melee weapons too, which means no range, no bows will ever crit. No ranger will ever crit again. Um, It was melee weapons and unarmed strikes are the only things that crit. And that is fucking stupid. <laughs> uh, yeah, to, to reiterate. It's fucking stupid. Uh, yes. Uh, the, the biggest source of contention about this is that when you roll a d20 and you hit that natural fucking 20, which is supposed to be one of the most momentous occasions in the game when you're playing. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh my god, I rolled a nat 20. Oh my god, I get to double all the damage. Um, <clears throat> the entire point of that was to make roll like rolling a natural 20 like a big deal. Like on both sides. If you want to, so now you get nothing. If you, you want, lose, if you want, a <laughs> good per- day, sir. <laughs> if you want a perfect example of how that is supposed to feel, um, critical roll. One of their one-shots, it's called The Search for Grog. At the very end of that, the one player, Travis Willingham, rolls two natural 20s in a row. And this is a live, in they, they did this live at like a comic convention or something. Mm-hmm. So there is an entire crowd of like a thousand, couple thousand people in the audience. And he rolls two natural 20s in a row on two weapon attacks and you just hear everybody just fucking burst out and that's how it's supposed to feel and they are taking all of that away from everyone except for somebody who plays a martial class which is fucking stupid uh yes it's real dumb it's real goddamn dumb this is and i i get the impetus behind this i really do uh when you're playing dungeons and dragons Level one is where any, it, it, it it's where you are the most vulnerable as a player. I get it. I really do. Like if a creature crits on you when you're level one, you're probably dead. Well, wouldn't that just be an excuse for like a training wheels phase and instead? Yes. And like, here's the thing. Okay, like, you can't the the creatures can't do crits at this point of the that, game yes, until that would everybody's be, level five. That would something. be a right. good idea. That, and that's a good home here's, rule. That's he, what a DM is supposed exactly. to actually legislate and when he's at the table. Here's the thing. You have, uh, like I said earlier, each edition has been more or less dumbed down from the previous editions and made more... Uh, newbie friendly and more user friendly. Yeah. <laughs> and this is just another step in that evolution. This is another step to uh, make it so people don't, so people stay, enter the game and stay in the game. Because if a new player comes into the game and they start at level one, which, first off, I don't know anybody who actually fucking starts at level one. Most games start at level three. Um, if you're doing a full campaign, most people start you at level three because level one through three kind of sucks. Uh, yeah, that's 
uh, that's the the biggest issue with that going forward, uh, which also ties into one of the other things that they revealed, with which is how they're changing backgrounds and races. Is yes. they're, they're trying to make that first level mean a whole lot more. Right. They're trying to have a whole lot more come online, which is. Uh, Honestly, turning into but, them overcorrecting yes. to the point where it's just, it's making the game unfun. What I was going to gotcha. say is, you know, if you are starting, if you've never played Dungeons and Dragons before, you've never played a TTRPG before, and you go into this brand new game that um, somebody's putting on, somebody invites you in, and you start at a brand new, fresh level one character, and in that first session, you die. And your character is done, and you cannot resuscitate that character, and you have to roll a brand new fucking character. After, as somebody who just got into this uh, game less than two years ago, I can tell you that first character you roll is going to take you a better part of like two hours to figure out what the fuck, how to create that character. And if you spend all that time creating that character, and then you die in your first session, and they have to basically more or less tear your character sheet. You're not gonna. You're not gonna stay in that fucking game. You're yeah. gonna be like, "This is bullshit." I'm gonna go fucking play like Madden. A Souls game. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. I'm gonna go pl- fucking play Skyrim because at least when I die there, I just respawn. You know. Uh, right. And like, the idea behind trying to make characters even less killable in the early levels, I get the the impetus, the the idea behind it. But the thing is, the way that they've corrected it has basically turned into... uh, This game is already very difficult for, like, DMs to actually, like, kill player characters. Mm -hmm. So, like, the, the opportunities to do that are far more when the characters are at lower levels. When you make it so that evil, even level one characters have a much more reduced chance dying at that point it becomes uh like what what is the dm supposed to do other than like basically just watch all of his effort all of his time and energy spent in trying to come up with something difficult for the players to do and watch all of his players steamroll and it's not about wanting to kill the players as a dungeon master at all it's about wanting to give them that challenge so that way they feel rewarded and they feel accomplished when they do finally end that battle you know it, for you that can, to happen there needs to be stakes yes like, exactly there, there has to be there a point to, where you where, can lose and you right. feel like oh shit i'm gonna die i mean look at it's the equivalent of playing a dark souls game versus playing uh you know, like Super Mario Brothers on easy, you know? Yeah, I can jump and fucking, you know, murder all these uh, toads as much as I want, but there's, it's going to get boring after a while, you know? There, you, there is no danger. There's no, there's none of that heart pounding, oh shit, are we going to make it through this? Yeah. Some people just want a just cause game, you know, in a fantasy <laughs> <Yeah>. world. <laughs> just let me wreck shit. <laughs> yeah. And mind you, there's nothing wrong with that. But uh, Just Cause isn't Dark Souls, and Dark Souls isn't Just Cause. Yeah. This is weirdly them trying to make a square peg fit into a round hole, and as opposed to just accepting that this might just be a square peg. Exactly. And also, you're it's kind of insulting to the Dungeon Masters, 
because that's what I mean. One of the first sentences in the Dungeon Master Handbook basically says more or less, you know, make up your own fucking rules. It, I'm I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, you know, but mm-hmm. it it basically says you know these rules are a guideline, and if you if it doesn't fit your play style or people aren't having fun, change the rules. You, this whole game is about homebrew and shit like that and making things that fit the people who are playing. It's kind of an insult to the dungeon masters to basically change the whole rules because you don't believe that dungeon masters have the ability to make a challenging game for lower level players without destroying them. Right. It's... It's disrespectful to the DMs who, like, are also there to either give a challenge and also, you know, some things in a game should be impossible. Right. And that's going to, that dovetails into a whole nother issue, Um, a very controversial thing, at least to me, Uh, D20 Tests. Which now uh, ability checks, initiative rolls, uh, attack rolls, like everything where you roll a d20 now uh, falls under the umbrella term d20 test. They have now made it so that anytime you roll a natural one, that's an auto fail. And if you roll a nat 20, that is an auto success. Yeah, and that, that shouldn't be a thing. I mean, I, in most cases, I'm probably going to roll a natural one and auto fail. But if you say, for example, like you are a ranger with a plus 11 to your perception, even if you roll a natural one, that's still a 12 to your perception. You can still see shit. This is what you do. This is what you've trained for. You know, this is literally what your class is about. Yeah. I mean, you know, you might not do it. To the best degree at that point, there might be something, you know, that fucks with your head at that point and you might miss something, but you're still not going to completely fail. Just like if you are a, let's say, a gnome wizard with a strength score of eight (laughs) and you try and, you know, lift this fucking like 200 pound boulder and push it out of the way and then you roll a natural 20 and you fucking succeed on that (laughs) i mean it's we're bending and in a lot of cases breaking the the nature of plausibility when it comes to things he found a natural fulcrum and uh he found a way yeah Yeah, he he fucking he found a way which mind you if if you are a player and you describe like finding a natural yes. fulcrum, and you find like uh like a hard rod or something, and like yeah. a point to like lift it like that. Sure, Absolutely. I'll say yeah. 100%. A, net, a net twenty makes sense for that. If they're just putting their hands under the boulder <laughs> and going, no, yeah. no, no, nine times out of ten, especially if your score is like an eight. What yeah. the fuck? As a, as a DM, nine times out of ten, I will typically do a natural one as a fail and as a natural twenty as a success. But there are extenuating circumstances to that. Like I am not going to make a you know mediocre task. Mediocre. Mediocre. Thank you. (laughs) I am not going to make somebody who is proficient in a certain skill trying to handle a mediocre task 
fail on something just because they got a bad role. Just like I am not going to make somebody who is who has never done something before six and and has a challenge in front of them, like a, a severe challenge to somebody who would be proficient in that. Yeah, and they have never done it before. I am not going to make them succeed just because they rolled a natural twenty. Right, like that. It needs to be in some way, shape, or form plausible. Yeah, depending on the situation. I uh, think you guys are missing the most important question about all of this. When did they start selling Mebos for their tabletop service? Mebos. Yes. What the fuck is a Mebo? Scan it onto your Nintendo. Hmm. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. You just create a little figurine. You I can completely buy it physically. forgot about you that. Scan it. Boop. Yeah, we have your tabletop. You didn't figurine. hear about that? Hold the That's fuck on. Part of the part of the digital physical bundle is minis. You can get minis now. You can go to the store and buy minis, and you can scan them in, and you have that mini in your tabletop simulator. Oh my god! It's amiibo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's Amiibo, or for those of you who the Infinity, yeah, Disney. The, the Disney Infinity, or the fucking, uh, what was it, Skylander type thing. Yeah, that, I think uh, Skylander's probably the original, the uh, OG one. Oh, yeah, that that whole deal. Mind you, brilliant marketing. Get get a mini right now so you sell can get twice. prepared to... It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You <laughs> sell it as a video game and as a plastic toy. Oh, <laughs> no. oh yeah. Yeah, that, I forgot about that part. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's brilliant marketing. Good on you for coming up with something like that. Uh, I I need to get back to the. To... Oh, sorry. Yeah. What were you gonna get back to? Uh, I need to get back to the whole, um, the problem with the the ones being an auto fail and twenties being yes. an auto success. Uh, there are in like entire classes that would be in like super fucked by that, and I'm going. To specifically mention the rogue, the rogue itself, as it stands right now, has an ability that I think they get at level ten called reliable talent, yes. which means that no matter if they roll a one or something like that, uh, it's still counted as at a least a ten. Yes. And when they already have a bonus of fifteen, usually, um, that can lead to someone like having at least a twenty-five. With this new rule, that basically yeah. flies in the face so, of like what. A nat one is supposed to be with the new one D and D. So you're gonna tell me that a rogue who is a master thief who sneaks everywhere, who is known like that's their shtick is the fact that they are these sneaky motherfuckers, the sneakiest, and, like can legitimately easily roll like a thirty five on stealth. I've done it. Is going to fail so badly that they fuck up a stealth check? Get the fuck out of here, man. Seriously. Yeah, it's it's an overcorrection. It yeah. feels and it smells like an overcorrection just because they want more people buying into the game. Yes. I want to go back and touch on something that you asked a little while ago, and then we just kind of we mention it briefly and then jump past. Mm -hmm. um, you said something about... Uh, the feel of being a tabletop game or something like that mm. um using the unreal engine and turning it more into almost like a video game mm -hmm. um the this unreal engine thing seems really cool to me but me personally and and you might run it a little differently emory because of the fact that you you your dm style and my dm style are two very different and where you like 
I don't think there was a single scene in any of your virtual games that you didn't have a map for. Oh, so yeah. I think you would do great for that. Whereas I do a lot more what they call theater of the mind, where I just describe it. Imagination. <laughs> now, second call for my rainbow hands. There you go. <laughs> but getting a lot of use today. I I tend to do a lot more theater of the mind because I am very, very OCD when it comes to the scenes. And if I can't find a map or make a map that fits exactly what I have pictured in my head, I won't use a map. Mm-hmm. I will just describe the situation to you guys. And I will describe it hopefully in enough detail that you see at least 90% of what I see in my head. Yeah. Um, and that I believe would be, again, I haven't seen the creation software for this. I would love to get like a beta test for this wizards of the coast. Uh, <laughs> so I can play around with it. You know, speaking of which wink, wink, nudge, nudge play <laughs> test packages will begin release later this month. Yes. Ooh. That's not for the, tabletop simulator though that's yeah, just it's D D beyond yeah yep. yeah um however so i i am curious how that will fit in because uh historically D is more of a theater of the mind style game even back like in the earlier editions that's pretty much all it was and then they moved to like these crudely drawn graph paper maps and then moved on from yeah. there to the point where now if you're playing on an actual table you can buy or as i'm doing 3d prints all of this 3d like incredibly intricate terrain and battle maps and shit like that that you can then do on like two dimension three dimension and and everything else um and the tabletop simulators currently unless you're doing one like tabletop simulator which is a 3d one um are a little limited to the flat perspective. So um, having this, the, like the look of these, this one that they're, that uh, Wizards is putting out and the fact that it's clearly a three-dimensional set and mm-hmm. you can use isometric cameras and go any at any location looks fantastic. Yep. However, yeah. I do worry that it's going to take away from that theater of the mind aspect. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I think... Uh... One of the things that's going to be very interesting going forward is that if there's one thing that I've learned from DMing using the Foundry virtual tabletop is that the community of modders that will most likely congregate around this uh, new like virtual tabletop that D&D themselves is coming out... there, I, I can almost guarantee you that, like within like the first year, there's going to be a bunch of mods that make this way that, more like a video game. That makes me. That gives me another question, though: is seeing as how this is going to be an officially licensed product from Dungeons and Dragons, from Wizards of the Coast, how open are they going to be to modding? Or, or are they going to lock that shit down? If it's on PC, they have no choice. Well, no, I, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's, there's nothing they can do to stop it. it, it no, yeah. I, I, I completely get that. But, yeah. but my point is, you know, you have. That's why Stan Lee is currently Spider-Man. Like, yeah, all over the internet. <laughs> my point is, you typically, when it, especially when it comes to the video game aspect, you really have two camps. You have the camps that are sure go ahead fucking mod the shit out of our game i don't care see see if you can make a better game than us or you have the camp that's like we we don't please stop just don't please i know there's nothing we can do about it but please stop 
we don't want you to mod our shit. But I think they would. Yeah. You know, there's there's several of these games on PlayStation consoles, uh, like Little Big Planet and Dreams, where they're basically, you know, there's something to play there. But the main point of the games is to give you this really rich tool system right. to create your own stuff, whether that's games or like play along stories or whatever you want. Dreams in particular is a really like rich functional thing. It didn't get a lot of press because they didn't promote it very well, but it became very popular underground as just like a dev tool for right. people to make their own like really quirky, you know cool games and three dimensions and i i can imagine if they implicated something like that into this tabletop and service that's kind of that where would I was, serve them the best that's kind of where i was going with that is you know you have companies like let's talk about bethesda who even back in the morrowind days they bundled and gave you a cd of the game and a cd of the sdk so you could mod so you could as mod basically it. as you wish. Yeah, you could yeah. mod the game from jump. You didn't have to download anything. You literally had a disc with the developer kit. Yeah, and now they even have a storefront basically for yeah. modders. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that's uh the modding community being a thing is because it's going to be on PC, it's inevitable. Mm-hmm. But uh I think whether or not it flourishes is going to entirely depend on whether or not people can monetize what they do which right. i i'm like if them creating their own virtual tabletop is any indication i'm pretty sure they're going to do everything in their power to make it so that no one who mods for this can make any money Probably. unless they directly work for wizards of the coast i i would agree with that yeah because you know corporate greed corporate greed and circuit <laughs> answer clip (laughs) so but yeah and i could definitely see them trying to lock it down as much as possible so are you guys aware of who is at the top of the food chain as far as ownership of wizards or of D &D? D &D and um the is there a specific company Uh, wizards of the coast is the owners which is I believe they're owned by Hasbro, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, Wizards of the Coast is owned by Hasbro. So Hasbro is the big yeah. boss. Yeah. Okay. It's interesting. We'll see. Hasbro seems to maintain their products fairly well for a fairly long time. Right. They don't always give them to the right people, but right. at the end of the day, they still own it. But and yeah, and keep they... it relevant. So uh, we should probably talk about some of the content they announced well, coming up. Hold, hold on. There's still one more thing we haven't touched on yet. One more okay. thing. At Let, least one more and thing. one more thing. <laughs> so, and another thing. <laughs> let's talk about, quote unquote, backwards compatibility. Oh. So their biggest thing, because we don't want to use the word additions anymore, because uh, we don't want you to think that you wasted all your money and you have to spend all this money again. Um <laughs> But we do. Yeah, they talked <laughs> about uh, how, don't worry, all of those modules that you've purchased for 5th edition will still work and still be compatible with 1D&D. Yeah. Yes and no. And I'm going to take a quote from uh, the uh, the guy who runs the DM Lair. Uh, I can't remember his name. Um, on YouTube, who was talking about this. And uh, basically what he said is, while, yes, you more or less will be backwards compatible and will be able to run these adventure modules with the new rule sets of 1D&D, it's the equivalent of, like, 
for those you know video game wow players or something it would be like going into a level one dungeon with a level 10 character you know you are bumping up these entry levels so much and making making it so that these level one characters are so op by overpowered by fifth edition specs that these you know early level modules for fifth edition are there's going to be no challenge whatsoever yeah i think the the biggest uh, addition or change that they're making to uh, level one has to do with the character creation, uh, specifically backgrounds. Uh, normally, when you would pick like a pre-established background, you'd just maybe get like a couple extra languages that you know and like a tool that you can use. Uh, they're now adding feats. They're adding feats, they're adding skill points. They're, they're adding feats, they're adding skill points. They're damn near eliminating the concept of rolling for your stats in the first place, which is a whole nother hour that we're not going to get into tonight. Right. <laughs> but uh, they're in adding feats at level one for basically everyone, uh, they're making it so that uh, something that you wouldn't normally get until like level four at least is now just something that you start with right out of the gate. And there's pros and cons to this, mostly cons. Um, I don't like that idea, and that's one of the main reasons why I said in my game that you're playing in that you can't do Variant Human, because Variant Human gives you a feat at level one, and I think it makes you OP. Um, the plus that I do like, the one thing that I do like about this change that they're doing is the fact that they're leveling feats right and so certain feats you can only take when you hit certain levels and that helps balance things a little bit more because i could not imagine a level one player taking sharpshooter or great great weapon master or warcaster or warcaster <laughs> or anything like that as a level one feat the fact that they i i think that feats should have been leveled a long time ago um I, I because mean, yeah, there's certain things that just make you too fucking overpowered if you take them even at fourth level. Yeah, that's uh, if I were to say they plagiarized anything from Pathfinder Second Edition, it would be uh, feats that are gated by a certain level. Um, like Pathfinder Second Edition already has like built into like their entire system. Like, we have this long and probably increasingly long list of feats that you could possibly take for any kind of character that you could come up with that are based on race, that are based on class, that are based on background. But you can only take uh, one of these because you're level one. And then as you level up, more become available to you. That being said, there are things like what they plan on doing for Criminal, which is giving them the alert feat. Yeah, no. Which is like, okay. You can never be surprised. When half of what a DM wants to do is like maybe make a person guess whether or not they're going to be surprised, especially yeah. at low levels, and that's, to freak them the fuck out. You know, that's the whole <laughs> thing about, you know, resting in the wild when you're not in a city is taking shifts and taking watches so you don't get surprised 
And then still, even that, sometimes people jump out of the fucking woods at you. Guess what? You just eliminated 90% of the, like, uh, strategic planning of walking through from one place to another because of the fact that you're eliminating the fact or eliminating the possibility of being surprised. Yeah, God, I, I would gate that at like level 12 at least. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's, I think we've harped on the changes that yes. they've, that they plan and on like testing again, for the next while. Again, it's still very, very early in this development phase. We're on, we're basically at alpha stage, if anything. Yeah. Um, like we're at the zero hour yeah, and immediately so seeing what's wrong. More than likely all of a, a good bunch of this stuff will be changed before it comes actually comes out um i sure shit hope that crit rule is changed and i i can almost guarantee you it, it it will be just from the backlash i've seen all over the internet recently and it's only been out for what four days five days so but cross, cross your fingers <laughs> to move on going going along with that we have they did give us a uh tentative release schedule for next year for 2023 um and these are one, two, three, four, five books that are planned releases. And we have the first one being The Keys to the Golden Vault, which is scheduled for the winter of 2023. Um, and that was a collection of adventures, I believe. Um, second one, Glory of the Gains, spring 2023. Um, I, I think, think that, that was might... Giants. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think that, that was Giants, G- Glory of the Giants. <laughs> I was I gonna say that th- this is gonna be like I'll a, a just, just bo- say it again, <laughs> like a bodybuilder yeah. module. Oh Glory of the gains. <laughs> Do you even lift, bro? <laughs> All right, All so. giants. <laughs> All right. To uh, continue, we did get a list of five books and modules that are coming out next year um, to kind of go along with this one D and D thing. Um, starting with the Keys to the Golden Vault, which is scheduled to come out in winter of 2023, which is a, an adventure anthology. I forget if they if they announced what levels that goes through yet, but um, we shall see when it gets closer to release. After that is Glory of the Giants, spring of 2023. Then, Fandel- then an untitled Fandelver campaign, which mm. Fandelver is a setting. More uh, or less. Yeah, they do have a module uh, already for that, yes. but this new one uh, intrigues me just yeah. because they haven't really mentioned anything other than it's Fandelva related. Yes, and that is scheduled for summer of 2023. After that is the book of many thing. The books of many things. Is it books or book? I thought it was singular, but it might be remember. plural. Yeah, I have to find the article again. Yeah, it's it, this one. If it's a a book of many things, if if a book of many things is anything like yeah. a deck so, of many things, ooh so, boy. Well, the book of many things is basically going to be the next uh, companion guide. It's going to be the next Xanathar or Tasha's. Oh, uh, yeah. More player options, stuff like that. Uh, I'm assuming it'll go over the backgrounds and in more detail. Most um, likely. And then... Following that, we have a Planescape release, which uh, should be very interesting. I'm uh, I'm interested in, in this and what we're going to see with that, and that's scheduled for fall of 2023. Planescape is uh, is also a more or less a uh, 
plane jumping adventure that goes from uh, scene to scene, more or less. So Yeah. So I did confirm. It is the book of many things, and the Fandelever campaign is the title. It's Fandelver. Whatever. Nerd. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. Well, I would assume Uh, they're probably going to change it it and not just call it Fandelver campaign. That's the title. Uh, And it will take... Uh, the classic Lost Minds of Fandelver and expanded into a much larger campaign. Oh, okay. So that's what it says. And from the source. Yeah, I don't know. Right. <laughs> and I'm sure they'll probably yeah. change that. Planescape, we'll see how much that differs from basically what they've already released with the um, spell jammer in which you're traveling from plane to plane, like by boat through space, which. Uh, I still have to go through that book before I make any final judgments, but uh, I'm looking for some ship combat, and I hope it delivers at least a little of that. Yeah, it should be. It should be interesting. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about D and D in space. D and D in space seems antithetical <laughs> to what it is, but that's just me. As uh, a I, I would have casual. thought that too, but uh, then I watched Thor: Love and Thunder. <laughs> I still need to watch that. I still have yet to see that one. You don't need to. <laughs> oh, I'll still see it. It's for it's, the kids. It's really for the kids. Yeah, well, you know. Except for when we imprison them and talk about tearing their heads off. But Wait, oh, sure. I'm going to have to Google. I don't know anything about this yet. Oh, yep. <laughs> I don't know anything about this yet. Uh, yeah, let, let's save that for a whole nother video because grappling, I could talk about that for an hour. <laughs> so apparently there's grapple rules <laughs> that have been changed or added or yeah, modified. Apparently yeah. they changed the grapple rules. Yeah, that added to the list that's making everyone kind of question what the hell are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if you guys got nothing more to say about uh, all the D and D news, we can move on. Oh, I'm sure there's for more. For now, say. we don't have anything else to say more about the D and D news. It's so ominous. Uh, <laughs> for now, uh, it's now. like a change is coming. It's like uh, the end of every Marvel movie now. Yeah. You know, D and D criticism will, will return. return. <laughs> grapple. Uh, DC Comics has announced <laughs> that it will be bringing the Wildcats and Wildstorm series back into the DC canon with two upcoming new series, of course, featuring your boy, Grifter. Uh, Matthew Rosenberg will be writing the Wildcats series, and Steven Segovia will be the illustrator. It is due out in September, and the arc will feature the team butting heads with the Court of Owls. So, uh, normally we don't talk about too much of the upcoming stuff uh in the comic book world but this is a big deal because um quite frankly doing cocaine comics has done fucking all with uh the very good wildstorm and wildcats uh canon and characters which were created by jim lee over at image comics and then were sold to dc i'm not gonna lie i totally thought read that as wild kratz (laughs) <laughs> and i was really confused for a second yeah it's like aristocrats but yeah, the wild, wild kratz that was a show the wild kratz what? was it yeah oh Never it was on like pbs Nick, or something. i was gonna say pbs or my, like my daughter or something yeah my daughters watched it it was about these two bro- the kratz brothers who are real people and they had like uh animal powers and they had these special suits and they hit put little discs in it and they took the powers <laughs> of animals it's yeah. just Power Rangers. <laughs> More or less, but they could change them. 
Oh, that that's more like a character that DC already has called Animal Man. It's that like, they still do fuck all with. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, <laughs> the more I think about it, it's just like Power Rangers mixed with Animorphs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, yep. yeah. Remember yeah, when Animorphs was a thing? Oh, my God. Look at that. Yeah. yeah. K-R-A-T-T-S, Wild Kratz. Yeah. <laughs> I have never heard of that. No. <laughs> It's probably a little young for you. It, it, yeah, like that's my, definitely my kids, for children. Yeah, my uh, my stepdaughter. It came out in 2011. My stepdaughter watched it. See, uh, bringing back Grifter, I'm fine with. Sure, use more with him. Like, do something with him. And then I read it was going to be Matt, Matthew Rosenberg writing, which... I remember the Doesn't still a lot of confidence in you. Uh, no, it's like he was the writer who was handling X Men before Jonathan Hickman turned them into Pod People. I mean, it, it's, at least they weren't Pod People. <laughs> if at least they Gold weren't balls. Pod People, is your bar? <laughs> yeah, you rethink what the fuck you're doing. It's interesting. You know, the Wildstorm series they had gone uh, post-New 52 was actually really, really good, and I really loved that series. Yeah. Had a great writer on it. This one, not so much. Eh, but eh. I, I like that they're giving them the time of yeah. day, finally. Yeah. Because Let, for the longest they time, they were it. kind of not in the DC canon, but kind of were. But we're still going to pretend like they, they're not really here. Except yeah. sometimes, because Grifter looks cool, we're going to insert him into a DC story <laughs> for like one page and then pull him right back out. Yeah. You know? By I Grifter's just, cool, we mean Grifter's cool when Jim Lee draws him. Yeah. <laughs> Grifter's the shit. I don't know if you are familiar with the character no, Grifter. not at all i but zoned it, out for this whole conversation he's basically like a lie. like a badass super soldier that did like espionage shit for the cia and his whole costume is just like his gear but he has like a bandana with eyes as his his uh you know camouflage i guess is doing secret identity comics hey this came from image sir and image is high quality but uh no i i absolutely love this character i really do and i love the team uh the wildcats team which is the original before uh they had the various storm entities wildstorm being the most famous um just wanted to bring this to light for all the fellow comic book fans because it's, it is a big deal and the fact that they're letting them play with some batman villains in the court of owls that means that hey maybe we're willing to invest in this a little bit more this time around and yeah. actually give them a chance to succeed on the shelves <laughs> so yeah we'll see how well that works yep uh i think uh last the last writer who touched it was warren ellis and he did a really good job with it Really, really good job. God, I wish it was him again. Uh, next up on the news, for the first time ever, streaming has captured more viewers than live services such as cable and broadcast. Uh, according to the Nielsen Group, who is the primary ratings group, strong performance last month included Stranger Things for Netflix, only Murders in the Building, as we mentioned earlier, on Hulu, and The Boys on Amazon Prime. So, big news there. I feel like it's probably been the case longer than the Nielsen yeah, group recognizes. It, yeah, I'm sure it has been. But oh, I, they probably yeah. only adjusted how they right. Nielsen these was, ratings. Nielsen was created for broadcast and cable. I mean, or actually, it was created for broadcast um, and then adapted for cable. Yeah. So, it's only been recently adapted for uh, streaming as well. So, yeah, I, I can guarantee you that this has been... 
this oh, it's yeah. it's been the yeah. status quo for a while it's just now they're getting the recognition yeah I th- yeah finally i think the big thing here is um you know outside of live sports nielsen's basically it just needs to go away like there's there's no reason for it to exist the, because everything's over the internet now yeah. they can track the, their own viewership they don't need a separate entity to track who's watching which channel to be honest it. the only uh reason nielsen the nielsen ratings are still around is for uh local news um more than anything else yeah. it's for uh the local news networks and um people like that as well and it it helps for more or less for uh the local no- news networks to uh oh, what's the word fucking my brain stopped working <clears throat> it helps mostly for the no- local news networks to uh negotiate with advertisements yeah. advertisers like checking get, the ratings and yeah. whatnot and it's the yeah. same for sports you know live right. sports obviously uh, next up on the news, during a Q2 earnings call, a co-CEO Nick Khan for WWE revealed that the group of potential bidders for Raw and SmackDown weekly shows are crowded and now include the streaming giant Netflix. This is on the heels of Netflix's announced ambition to have a, a live streaming service uh, featuring ads and a recent bid for Formula One racing content. Uh, it's an interesting point for WWE products as they are currently streamed primarily via their partner Peacock. So uh, if you're not familiar, they have their deals with Fox and USA Network for their Raw and SmackDown content. And then after a certain number of weeks, I think it's like four, you can watch it on like a retro cast on Peacock. And then all of the pay-per-views are streamed directly through Peacock. So interesting that netflix is trying to get in this game and basically steal some of that content and of course netflix doesn't have a live service but if all of these rumors are true they could potentially have you know live sports live services and essentially they're evolving into cable <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is what yeah. we all fear and their prices yeah, evolving yeah, into yeah, cable yeah, as well. cable well, with already. extra steps yeah. basically so now you instead of having one service for cable that you don't want and don't like (laughs) now you have six services for a cable that you don't want and don't like um yeah like six services where like you pick and choose the one thing that you want while it has an absolute deluge of content that you have absolutely no interest in oh yeah i've been toying with the idea of getting rid of netflix for a while now and to watch salmon first yeah um (laughs) to be honest there's very little that's is keeping me on netflix and if it wasn't for the fact that my youngest daughter has recently picked up like two shows that she actually watches almost every day on netflix i probably would have gotten rid of it as soon as i finished stranger things yeah uh we'll see how it goes uh i think given that netflix is kind of the industry leader when it comes to uh streaming services whether or not this live stream is going to work out is basically going to be an indicator of whether or not these other streaming services try to ad- adopt the same like sort of like let's buy these shows that only play live mm-hmm. um but yeah we'll we'll see because as i've like i haven't said this before but i was going to say as i've always said um uh, as netflix does so do the other ones mm-hmm. that's true 
Yep, and the, you know, there's plenty of examples of services like Hulu who already have their own basically cable service yeah you know, yeah built in if you choose to use it but it's i mean it's the same fucking price as cable I mean, so yeah, it's you like have what's that, the you point have, what <laughs> right. is it the yeah. youtube tv as well as another yep. one yep. oh yep <laughs> they've so, been trying to do the same thing for a while now, yeah but they're all kind of dipping their toes in the same waters and it's kind of annoying but yeah. <laughs> we'll see I, we're just i mean just like everything yeah. everything is cyclical and we're just in that we you know, we're in that cable loop of, you know, cable started, everybody had cable, everybody gets rid of cable. Now there's going to be the new cable, which is just fucking Netflix. Yeah, like yeah. a bunch of services. And People are going like... to stop paying for Spectrum. Next thing you know, uh, Netflix is going to have their own internet service provider. Ooh. And you, you don't even have to get Spectrum anymore. You just fucking contact oh, Netflix. Thanks to the shitty Supreme Court, they can throttle you, so... You're oh, probably right. Yeah. The, the second <laughs> that know, happens, the only way you can get around will... that is creating your own internet service yep. and making sure they can't throttle you. Oh, God. Yeah. Imagine people like dealing out pirate internet. Mm. Fantastic. I'm oh, all for fucking it. Fucking hack the planet. I, I am all hack the planet. <laughs> I am all for it. Hell yes. Uh, and then our final major news topic of the day. Uh, at a recent Evo event, of course, this is not that recent because this is from last week. Yeah. Um, two significant new games were teased. The first was a teaser for a new entry in the Tekken series. And the second was the return of a two-decade-old game, Fatal Fury, which was the basis for the fighting series King of Fighters, which is much more well-known. I figured this would be big news for you, Emery. Uh, it ab- former Tekken fan you were. <laughs> uh, it absolutely is big news for me, specifically in the fact that, uh, if I'm not mistaken, for the entirety of the PlayStation 4's life cycle, there's only been one Tekken, and that's Tekken 7, which has managed to uh, very, very slowly like grow its roster of characters, basically gate off legacy characters and make you pay for those for some fucking reason and like the corporate greed corporate greed clip (laughs) (laughs) but uh a lot of corporate greed on this episode yeah it's been the counterpoint to games like street fighter for the longest time because whereas street fighter likes to come up with a thousand different iterations and try to nickel and dime you over the years Tekken is like, okay, buy the game. We're only going to make you pay for extra characters. And this is just the game. Uh, For them to announce a new Tekken, for me, personally, that was basically, that hit almost as hard as one D&D being announced. (laughs) Uh, So I'm very curious to... Don't mention it. We'll start again. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, um, Tekken announcing a new game. It's a pretty fucking big deal. Because, like, this is a game that's... Uh, how do I put this? It is exceedingly more intricate uh, of a game, given that, like, Every one of the characters has like at least sixty things that they can do, as opposed to maybe like the twenty that a Street Fighter character can do. Uh, along with the uh, like, these games have always been three D, where you can like sidestep and go around each other, which of course makes all of those sixty things pointless because <laughs> you can sidestep and just dodge it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I'm very curious to see how this goes. 
I'm more curious because a long time ago, back when uh, Street Fighter and Tekken were doing cross games, the only cross game that got released was Street Fighter Cross Tekken, made by Capcom. I'd be really curious to see if they finally pull the trigger where uh, Namco, the guys who make Tekken, finally make a Tekken Cross Street Fighter done in the Tekken style. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but the uh, Street Fighter Cross Tekken was not received very well. Is that uh, more I, or less correct? It wasn't received very well because all of the content that they were going to nickel and dime you for was already on the disc. Ah, With that that was just classic. That was just bad bad marketing and corporate greed. <laughs> yeah, I it, you it know kept striking. I've never been big into the 3D fighters. I've always been more of the 2D fighters. Same. Uh, that's yeah. A big reason why I left Mortal Kombat and then eventually came back to Mortal Kombat. Same. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, I did play you know a decent amount of Tekken and Soul Calibur back in the day. And um, you know, enjoy my time with them, but I I feel like they just haven't been relative, particularly relevant in the yeah. public psyche for like a decade, if not more. I I don't know if that's been your experience. I know you're obviously a big fan. Yeah, that that's the thing with it is like it was relevant. Like Tekken Seven was relevant when the when the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One were like, they were first coming out. But all of the hype around those games is slowly faded into basically obscurity, only for them to now like, hey, we're going to make another one. Does anyone play Tekken anymore? I kind of forgot. We've been on like a thousand different 2D fighters. I wonder if they're going to make it more realistic looking or if they're going to stick with like the like over the top, you know, arcade machine look that they've they've maintained for like 20 years. (laughs) I hope they I hope they maintain that because that's just kind of their art style. Yeah, it would be kind of very unique to to change. Yeah. Yeah. For them to go like ultra real, uh, like I could see them doing it, but also weirdly maintaining the bonkers hairstyles just. Because yes. you know Why it's not? Tekken. It's yeah. like boob jiggles. <laughs> Got to keep it all. <laughs> oh God! Don't even get me started on Street Fighter Six's butt physics. <laughs> Chun Li got a little over designed. I'm gonna say that much. Uh, but yeah, that was an interesting, uh, to say the least, announcement. But also, fucking Fatal Fury, and or. Uh, the Mark of the Wolves game that was like and like a completely 2D game that no one fucking played. Yeah. Uh, so it's just kind of out of nowhere. Last week, clearly no one saw this because, well, first off, no one watches us. But second off, that uh, <laughs> mediocre <laughs> that uh, episode didn't get released due to technical difficulties but also you weren't here right so we talked about this last week and we went on a and i'm, I'm actually glad that you're here for this okay uh, because we went on this whole like tangent about 2d versus 3d fighters and it ended up being like one of the longest segments yeah. of the show. It, it really <laughs> did. like a five second like, thing at the end yeah it, it really did we ended up and i brought up a game that in my opinion was one of one of the best fighting games that i ever I ever played uh, in the arcade, and I actually bought it on my... I got it for Sega Genesis. Mm-hmm. 
still to this day, one of my favorite games. And up until last week, I could not remember the fucking name of it until I Googled it. I want to know if you, being the fight club aficionado here, ever played a game called World of Heroes, which was a... (laughs) That was my reaction, too. I was like, what? It was a straight... I think I have. Yeah, it was a straight um, uh, Street Fighter clone, like complete ripoff of Street Fighter 2, I think. And I want, yeah, take a look at this. Do you remember this game? This game was complete. This was by far one of my favorite, like, early, mid-90s fighting games. Yeah. See, it... Because uh, I can immediately see that this was developed by Neo Geo, I am immediately seeing uh, similarities between this and their Samurai Showdown video games. <laughs> and oh my god! Yeah, I remember. Like there was the the dude inside there, the the uh, like military looking dude. Yeah, was actually a robot. <laughs> and he would fly forward across and like his arms and legs would expand and it was a complete ripoff of, of uh, M. Bison. Yeah. No, not well, his look was M. Bison, but his moveset was um shit. The the like almost aboriginal looking guy who whose arms stretched. Oh, Dalsim. Yeah. The uh the yoga fighter. Yeah, the which, yoga fighter. Who the fuck does yoga and fights? But um, I found it's it. very relaxed when he does it. I, I, Google Google uh, World of Heroes versus Street Fighter. And uh, they put a... They, there was this one thing that I saw that was a side-by-side comparison of a bunch of these different moves. There you go. Look. Oh, yep. yeah. It's just straight. It's <laughs> literally <laughs> it's straight. It, it's damn near shameless. Yeah. Oh, my God. This <laughs> guy looking so smug. Yeah. They did like a full, just complete ripoff of. I, I mean, it. it's hilarious how damn near one for one it is. Yeah. And, and mind you, hilariously, this wasn't even like. It's not even the only fucking there, game to... There like, you go. Uh, There's yep. bison and bison versus... Oh, the, that's fucking yeah. one for one. Good God. That's purple bison. Yeah. And it's <laughs> to be clear, purple SNK bison. SNK was making hundreds of uh, Street Fighter ripoffs in, oh, during this era. Yeah, SNK... Un, unabashedly. But the best part about this is at the time... I absolutely loved this game. I used to go to the arcade and play this because I was... Uh, I also did a lot of... Uh, I was on a swim team in the summer, yeah. so I would go to a lot of swim meets and everything, and there would be, you know, like 20 minutes, sometimes an hour between my meets, so I would just go to the fucking arcade in the at the pool and just sit there and play this fucking game all day long, <laughs> um, and the the best part about it is I loved this game, but I fucking hated Street Fighter as a kid. <laughs> I don't I, I don't understand that. <laughs> Street Fighter guys ripping off my World of Heroes no, game. I the, I never noticed this until last week how much of a ripoff it really was cuz when I was a kid I loved Mortal Kombat. So I hated Street Fighter. I fucking yeah, they're I, the enemy. I know. I despise yeah. Street Fighter. Yeah, Mario was the enemy. Yeah. yeah see yeah. The, and the funny thing about this is Street Fighter 
in its inception, specifically in its character design, there are like several things that they pulled from like almost a direct rip of like characters from a manga that's completely unrelated. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, uh, for those of you who don't know, also a show you can watch on Netflix right now. Um, but yeah, the that one, it's hilarious to me that that one is the most egregious, but is the, the least known. Because I don't think I've ever heard anyone else talk about this game, but I will hear like a thousand people talk about a different game, also made by SNK, called The Art of Fighting, where there's a character who's basically blonde Ryu to the point of uh, Capcom going out of their way to make a joke character to make fun of The Art of Fighting. It's fantastic. And of course, the game they announced, Fatal Fury, also a clone. <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. All there, these that is 100% a blonde Ryu. Yeah, there's like if you look up the character Dan Hibiki from Street Fighter... Like, they literally took the art of these two main characters and smushed them together to make an absolute idiot. Fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah. And then I mentioned uh, Clay Fighter being my obscure childhood fighting video game. Oh, I have an even more obscure fighter for you. What you got? It's a weirdly a 3D fighter that was for, like, the Super Nintendo... Uh, it's called uh, Balls, uh, B-A-L-L-Z. <laughs> Good start. Uh, fighting game. You can <laughs> look that up. That's it? It's Balls? Oh, my God. It's Balls. I remember <laughs> it's literally this. Balls. I, I, I seriously remember this fucking game. Uh, yeah. I don't remember this game I don't think I, I don't <laughs> I don't think I ever played it. Open cause... wide for Chunky? <laughs> What? This is a game that I swear to you, I thought looking back on my life was like a fucking fever dream that I had. <laughs> I and never tell Santa you want balls for Christmas. <laughs> that's got to be Nintendo Power. Uh, that has to be a Nintendo Power ad. <laughs> yeah, that has to be a Nintendo Power ad. That is one hundred percent. The nineties were wild. The nineties like, were I a never... fucking wild west for video games. I never played nuts. this game because of the fact that I didn't have a Super I'm just Nintendo. Leave this search up so I have it for the editing process. <laughs> yeah. No one's gonna believe. <laughs> I yeah, I did not have a Super Nintendo, so I never played this you game. Get but balls I... in your mouth. <laughs> oh my god! I absolutely remember seeing this at Blockbuster. It, yeah, it, balls. It, it was fucking <laughs> mind Nintendo. blowing. It's like, wait, you can you can strafe around characters in a in Whack. a Super Nintendo game? You're the man. <laughs> this is uh, to me. Back in the day when I was a kid, head this ball chalk. <laughs> Watch out. Watch out, head ball chalk. <laughs> this oh shit was revolutionary and a fucking <laughs> laugh riot the yeah. entire time. What the fuck is this? <laughs> oh my god. This is the kind of shit that uh, you don't think is real until someone <laughs> actually <laughs> has you. <laughs> until someone actually has you search for it. It's like, no, there's no fucking yeah. way. That's oh not God. real, is it? <laughs> I can't believe it is real. <laughs> this is ridiculous. The 90s were crazy, man. Like, this f- is insane. 
the the nineties were high on cocaine and dunkaroos, man. It was it was a fucking wild time. Open wide for chunky <laughs> via balls <laughs> the video game. That's the thumbnail right there. Yep, that's, oh, that's the man. thumbnail Open right there. Open wide for chunky. <laughs> this was an especially thick episode of me uh, hit the books. But, yeah, that's yeah, that's insane. I can't. So <laughs> we yeah we got on this whole tangent about different fighting games and everything and kind of reminiscing about uh fighting games and uh yeah we were talked about world of heroes and uh primal rage was another good one. Ooh, the fucking the dino fighting yes. game yeah i fucking remember primal that rage shit. which yes. we did mention is that 16 bit right now you can go play it yes. right now oh yeah. my god <laughs> i think it's the one in downtown but can't remember yeah uh when it comes to like deciphering whether or not like which one of these is better uh, balls I, all the time. <laughs> I want to balls see all day, every goddamn day. Balls forever. <laughs> you know. Return of the balls. Oh, uh, see, God, this game needs a sequel. Balls resurgence. <laughs> balls uh, chunky's revenge. Uh, balls redipped. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh my God, there was a director's cut. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> that makes me very uncomfortable. <laughs> but, but yeah, the the two D game, a two D fighting game versus a three D fighting game. Uh, it's apples and oranges, and you know, three D fighter like people who play three D fighters exclusively are gonna say, "Oh, it's better. It's more realistic. You can strafe around." 2D fighters are going to say, it's more fun to jump like six feet in the fucking yeah, air exactly. over people. Yeah. I, I mean, it, like it's almost nearly uncomparable. And Then you've got balls. Yeah, and then you've got balls, which is uh, 90s perfection. Um, the, the biggest indicator of these things like not being really uh, compatible together is one of the very first Street Fighter 3D games from like the original PlayStation called Street Fighter EX Plus Alpha. And oh my God. Let me tell you the, the look on a person's face when you sidestep a fireball, it's like they're we, immediately crestfallen. We <laughs> had <laughs> almost this exact same conversation except for with Mortal Kombat last week. Oh, yeah. And how that, what was it, Mortal Kombat 4? Four? Yeah. Was Four just was an atrocity that should never have existed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, God, they kept that up all the way into like the Deadly Alliance and Armageddon games before yeah. they rebooted that whole thing. Yeah, I feel like uh, if if there are any developers out there that want to make a 3D plane fighting game, they need to find a way to make an area of effect attack, <laughs> so yeah, you can't sidestep to avoid so easily. Because right. the sidestepping, it's fun. But it completely breaks the game. Oh, yeah. Well, 100%. Like, well, to even like further affirm what you're saying, uh, there was one game that actually managed to answer that, and it's Soul Calibur. Like, instead of like only yeah. having like vertical attacks, you can actually do like a horizontal sweep, and if someone sidesteps, they still get hit. Right. Yeah. 
Uh, they do do that well. Yeah. Especially the nunchuck character. I forget his name. but uh, Maxi. Just spam his uh, like, wide area. Last uh, <laughs> one nunchuck of, attack. Last Soul Calibur game I played was Soul Calibur 2. So. Oh, yeah. The the good one. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Then they There's started, been a lot since then. Then I'm they started the adding like Spawn and fucking uh, uh, all it, these other random characters into uh, it. Oh, yeah. That was the uh, beginning of the console-specific. Did, bullshit. Yeah, didn't they have Yoda or something? They sure did. One of them. Uh, sure did. That was for number Darth four. Vader. Darth uh, Vader. Uh, Darth Vader was for PlayStation. PlayStation. Yoda yep. was for Xbox. That's right. Yep. Link was for Nintendo. Spawn was for Xbox. Hihachi was for, for PlayStation. PlayStation. Yeah, yep. for Soul Calibur two. And then weirdly, number three was the only one that was PlayStation uh, exclusive. Weirdly enough. Just like, like <laughs> Street Fighter Five was uh, oh, right. weirdly exclusive. Weirdly exclusive. It's like they apparently like, wouldn't have been made if they didn't make it exclusive. Yeah, so. Like cutting their money in half for an exclusivity deal. But yeah, the I'd say they're kind of not very comparable. Yeah. Uh, no, I I completely agree. Like two D and three D fighters are realms into themselves. But yeah, I I will always go towards the two D fighters, but. Because the unrealistic fucking jumping twelve <laughs> feet in the air and everything like it, it's a lot of fun jumping that fucking yeah. high over things. Like I I grew up doing like fighting games in arcades, so that's kind of like my litmus test is whether or not it's going to be fun on an arcade. Yeah, you know, and uh, either like I said in swim meets when I was younger or at my when I had to get dragged to my dad's bowling leagues every Tuesday night or whatever, and go and straight to just the arcade. Hand, he would just hand me a, like a pocket full of quarters, <laughs> and I'd just go sit there and play like fucking Killer Instinct, the first Killer Instinct on. Uh, oh yeah, that God, I remember so that good. game. So good. I wasted so many. So combo. Yeah. Combo. Oh, and God. everybody played as a werewolf because why wouldn't you? Yeah, the the fact that that game made a fucking comeback. Yeah. Oh my God. I I downloaded the new version back on Xbox when that was free, but they did the typical the game is free, but you only get you get, get two one characters. character. Yeah. yeah. I was like, nah, gotta, fuck this shit. Uh, yeah, that's poor marketing, absolutely. But oh, for those like Killer Instinct diehards, it's like. Yeah, my, okay, my go-to I'll buy was, these characters two at a fucking time. Because of course, I I wanted to be a goth kid. I had I would always play as the big. The, I can't remember his name, but the dude with was black it? with the fucking two blades on his. I I, I know remember. who you're talking about, but I don't know his name. Like I would always default to Fulgore, the the robot dude, because you know he was on the cover of the the box art. Yeah, it's like that's... it's the robot with a fucking ponytail for some reason. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> it's just Sector. <laughs> yeah, it's Sector and Cyrax, straight yeah. up, but with more combos. But yeah, really, really cool to see some previews at Evo as always. But. Surprised there weren't more, to be honest. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing yeah, that Ful- Fulgore. That's who I was talking about. Oh, Fulgore. That's the, the dude one. in the black with the blades on his hand. Oh yeah, the blades on his hand, the ponytail, yeah. the eye slit things. Yeah. Yep. Then there's the skeleton. There's the werewolf, like I mentioned. There's Cinder. the 
Uh, yeah, the, the, the fire and ice elementals. Green woman with the giant boobs. Yeah. Oh, Bee Orchid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I will always remember Bee Orchid. And then randomly Jargo, the one <laughs> random human. I'm a ninja, guys. Oh, the, the, the like, mummy. Oh, God. Which one was that Ken one? Ken Ra. God, I don't even remember I him. I don't remember him I, at all. Oh. Okay. Yeah, the... I remember there's a boxer dude because yes. uh, apparently we all wanted to play Mike Tyson in these games. Yeah. <laughs> Riptor, too. Riptor. Yep. Oh, yep. <laughs> yeah, he was like a raptor with yeah. jorts on. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's what I remembered. Uh, because we're actively trying to prove that raptors are terrible oh, and, people. Oh, and <laughs> the incredibly racist thunder the native american oh tj combo that was the tj combo the the boxer boxer. dude yeah but yeah the incredibly racist fucking native american guy uh yep that's uh i mean they weren't innocent and neither was street fighter with fucking t-hawk yeah it's not like uh, Mortal Kombat was much better either. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Mortal Kombat with they're Night all guilty. Yeah. Night Wolf. They're all guilty. Night- oh, God. And then the terrible night live action Night Wolf in fucking uh, Annihilation. <laughs> we as, don't talk about that. Find your animality. <laughs> it's almost as bad as the live action T Hawk, which just was there to just be on the boat. <laughs> Going with you on the boat, guys. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, we'll have some more news coming out of Gamescom, which starts literally tomorrow. The day after we're recording, oh, so so of course it does. I yeah. imagine next week we'll have a lot of video game news. Cross your fingers. <laughs> well, I think that's a good point to move on to the prestigious, nay, life changing <gasps> awards, awards of comic covers of the weeks. Because uh, obviously we missed last week. So yes. yeah, making up for last time. You get two. Last week's cover of the week goes to Marvel's Daredevil number two, the Shankwitz Predator tie-in cover. This features some excellent artwork from our uh, winner, Bill Shankwitz, who has won several times in the past. Very menacing, uh, almost a water-style art with a giant, and I mean giant, predator uh, jumping out of the swamp water uh, to attack Elektra. Uh, who is looking, you know, as a lewd boy attracting as possible. Oh, yeah. I find it interesting that this cover features the the costume that they're trying to go out of their way to make sure she never wears again. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, it's iconic, and it attracts the lewd boys. So Yeah. It's like when you see that, you do think Electra immediately. Yeah. Usually these, like, tie-in covers usually suck. So I appreciate that Bill Shankowitz stepped in and uh, made it presentable. That's <laughs> uh, like also I was, I was very happy okay. to see Bill Shankowitz stepping yep. in for this. It, thankfully, they called it the Predator cover and not like the race of the Predators called the Youch. <laughs> <laughs> Youch. <laughs> Gotta get real deep diving, and of course that ties into the uh, you know successful Prey movie that's currently on Hulu, oh, which I've yeah. heard nothing but good things about. So. Haven't seen it yet. Definitely but encouraged to see it. Yeah, we'll see it one day. Uh, as always, we're going to read the description here uh, to help promote it. This book written by Chip Zdarsky. Uh After Devil's Reign, capitalized as an event, 
Everything it has ever meant to be Daredevil has changed. Thanks to Elektra and her newfound role as the woman without fear, Daredevil is more ambitious than ever and a who's who of creators from across the fabled character's history and some can't miss surprises along the way. This oversized epic kicks the next year of Chip Zdarsky and Marco Cicchetto's landmark run on Daredevil off in explosive style. I don't know how you can call it a landmark run before it happens, but yeah, that's right. a little yeah, it's a little counting presumptuous. your chickens. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> granted, they're you know they're good creative staff there. Uh, it's it's actually a really good team. Um, uh, could pull it off but it, again we're like why do we have to you know replace the character that we know and love when the character already exists <laughs> I, don't, I just don't i don't understand it, it. yeah especially when electra i mean she's had her own comics before i don't know why you i don't know why we have to rebrand her yeah, she's she a character <laughs> she is a hero in her own right yes right or at least why, a character in her own why right does she have to be another person's character and then the second prestigious, nay, life-changing award of comic cover of the week <gasps> comes from Dynamite Entertainment with 007 number one, the Edwards Virgin cover. Uh, this was done by Tommy Lee Edwards, who does a fantastic kind of noir style 007, uh, featuring some kind of cold weather climate, of course, with the silhouette of a sniper probably a femme fatale in the background uh 007 himself carrying both a pistol and uh what seems to be a wounded individual and then you have the uh typical clandestine action <laughs> events appearing on the cover with uh seemingly some kind of dead body dead body beside a train and uh some airport shenanigans some city shenanigans a helicopter Everything you would expect from a 007 uh, comic adventure. Um, unfortunately, this one doesn't have any promotional descriptions uh, included, at least uh, on the freshcomics.us website, which we always utilize. Definitely a good website to check out if you want to see what's coming to your local comic book shops. Please support your local comic book shops. So again, freshcomics.us, definitely take a look at that. But yeah, this cover by Tommy Lee Edwards has great color, has great use of... Uh, basically negative color to create that snow effect uh, across the page. Um, really cool way of uh, kind of telling a story without telling you the story, uh, featuring, you know, a bunch of set pieces, uh, a, a lot. It's like, you know, that saying a picture is worth a thousand words. Well, this drawing is worth a thousand words because there's so much you can kind of glean from it. The more you look at it, the more you can kind of pull from it and interpret. Um, definitely setting up for an exciting 007 tale. So great job, Tommy Lee Edwards. You have won the prestigious, nay, life-changing award of Comic Cover of the Week for this episode 62. And once again, as a reminder, Bill Shankowitz has won for the previous week the uh, lost episode 61. Lost, lost episode. The lost 61. episode. <gasps> All right. Well, that's a great place to end it for another mediocre edition of Hit the Books Podcast. Wow, you're really scared of me saying it. <laughs> it's just so loud. Mediocre. Thank you all for listening and watching. Go on. <laughs> I was just going to say, I don't know why I 
tilt away considering I'm wearing headphones. <laughs> the space doesn't matter. Uh, what, once again, thank you all for listening and watching. We love uh, presenting all of this news to you and discussing it amongst ourselves. As always, be sure to check out the Tuesday stream at 8.30 Eastern Standard Time, Those Natural Ones on twitch.tv forward slash Those Natural Ones. And where else can they find your content? Facebook.com slash Those Natural Ones and YouTube. Uh, check the link in the description. And there's also uh, video game streams that uh, your group has been yes, presenting uh, on twitch.tv yes. for slash Those Natural Ones. One of our uh, <laughs> players, Sam, uh, recently did a horrifying playthrough of the game The Mortuaries. The Mortuary. The mortuary assistant—that is really tough to say out loud—and <laughs> uh, quite a few jumps and screams. And uh, she actually got me to jump out of my chair on this last episode about a good foot. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you if you saw it or not. Uh, Marie, I did not get to see it, unfortunately. I, I would I would definitely go back and check it out. And it's it's a short game. It's total of about three hours of stream total so and between the two episodes each one's about an hour and a half and yeah it was there was a couple are you uploading these to the youtube they're, channel they're as on well? youtube yes they Great. are on youtube under the uh subheading or under the playlist off character which is going to be any of our non D topics that we do Ooh. Great. And of course, we'll always have those links down in the description on both the podcast services and the YouTube channel. As always, you can watch us on YouTube. You can watch us on Stitcher, iTunes, well, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, you name it. We're out there. If there are any services you would like to have us on, uh, please just reach out. Let us know. You can always email us at hitthebooksvids at gmail.com. You can talk to us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash hitthebooks. And you can reach out to us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash hitthebooks. So, uh, anything else I missed? Anything else you guys need to promote? No. No, I think that covers it. All right. Well, thank you for watching and listening. We will see you next week. Bye-bye. Balls! (laughs) (laughs) Open wide for Chunky. Dragon D's nuts across your face. (laughs) I think we have our clip.